coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios, this is The Right Hash. The Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweets and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now, let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios once again. At the tail end of the week, a Friday afternoon. I really like this. This is it's nice when this works out like this, and Inatech allows for creative creativeness to happen during the day while the sun's still out, especially with the earliest sunsets coming up. Coming really the shortest days, I should say. Earliest sunset. I learned recently that earliest sunset does not equal shortest day um, from somebody who grew up on a farm. So that was that was a great perspective for me. Earliest sunset was like a week ago here in North Carolina, but the shortest days are still still a week to come. Um, that was an interesting little little nugget that you maybe just learned as well. Um, so the days will get a little bit longer here, starting shortly. Unfortunately, the football season has very, very short to go, especially the college football season. Um, but we will just start off with our with an advertisement. Um, really, it's a thing we've been doing for a couple of years, but it's on the Twitter page. And uh, we've had we've had a few people sign up. We hopefully can get more people sign up before bowl games kick off. But Alex, what 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 am I talking about here? I believe that's the uh, the infamous right hash bowl bash um, that is available, as Luke said, in our bio. Um, doing something a little bit additional this year. Um, whoever joins and, and wins is going to win fifty bucks. But if you're following us and retweet uh the the link out uh i i'm i'm personally gonna double it a uh, hundred uh just to reward those folks who are helping share the show so um good time of year i'm sure that 100 bucks on the back end after after the holidays will be nice for anybody's bank account so uh get out there follow the show retweet it join the fun it's it it, it gives you a reason to watch oregon and liberty and it gives you a reason to watch the bahamas I don't I don't even know to the Luau Bowl. I don't know. Those random ones that you would never watch like tomorrow during NFL football. There's there's games. It gives you a reason to watch those and have vested interest. Go sign up. It doesn't take but five minutes to make your picks. Um and win some free cash. Yeah, and, and like literally, we're just asking you to watch football. Like, come on, we're not asking that much. We're literally just asking you to spend your entire holiday season doing what we do, watching football. Like, like you don't really have anything better to do. Come on. Here's the thing. You can take your entry. If you're already in the Capital One ESPN Big Bowl thing, you can just copy it into ours. Or if you submit ours, you can go copy it into the other pools. Just like March Madness. You can just carry all that over, do it once, submit it for a whole bunch of competitions, win some cash. Easy, easy, easy. Yep, and we will be participating. We both submitted brackets. Um, well, not brackets, but uh, picks. And uh, you'll be competing against us, but we're out of the running for the prize, obviously. We, we, we're we only in it for the bragging rights. Um, so we could make fun of you if we finish higher, but we're not going to win the prize. So you We're even, just competing you against higher. each other. Yeah, you even have a higher chance of than you. The, the amount of participants, the percentage is higher for you because there are two two picks that are not eligible for the prize. So this is just too, this is too literally less. too easy. Too yeah. easy for for a lot of you, but there's our our little spiel. Bowl games get underway tomorrow. We're really excited. I, I like that they've they've expanded. It used to be a really long, cold, dark wait between the end of the season and the first bowl game, and now just one week between Army Navy and and bowls. So we're excited about that. And um, 
we uh we began our show uh real quick yeah real quick programming note we will be taking a much needed bye week next week you will still catch the right hosh but the right hash is just taking a holiday bye week we'll catch you on the other side of for all you christians out there christmas yeah we're gonna we're gonna watch those bowls like we're not joking man we're gonna be in front of the tv packing bowls watching bowls uh, all the bowls eating <laughs> we'll out of bowls eating, yeah I, I got a big i got i buy the family size frosted flakes because one person is a family in my opinion um, absolutely <laughs> i mean it, who, who are you talking to <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of family we, we're going to be joined by a member of the right hash family who has his own family so it, it is uh it is going it was hard to, to nail him down uh this was a pre-recorded segment earlier in the week by alex um i was off seeing some non-biological family over over in raleigh this night so i was unable to join but uh, mike barlow of south carolina joined us he actually lives in north carolina but he is a south carolina gamecocks fan he is sad gamecock tweets on twitter sad underscore gamecock um and we had him on or alex had him on to just kind of reset everything after the south carolina football season say see where things are at with shane beamer the transfer portal alex any other things you uh you got to uh, to preview here before we toss to Mike. Yeah, we talked a little bit about just the general state of the athletics program, bringing in NIL, uh, talking about Lamont Paris and the basketball team, Don Staley, and uh, you know, kind of cat, you know, catching up after Aaliyah Boston, um, and not too much about that. But we did do kind of kind of the full circle on South Carolina towards the end of it. Most of it is just about Shane Beamer, coaches, transfer portal, current feelings. We did throw some extra stuff in there for you at the end, though. So, you're a South Carolina fan or an SEC head, make sure to catch it, uh, catch this. It should be kind of right on the other side of the second half. Um, so, be prepared. Great segment. Uh, we do throw Mike Barlow into the first non right hash host hot box. So, you're going to want to catch that as well. Yeah, most definitely, and we'll we'll go ahead and uh, I'll we'll go ahead and toss to that now, and then do our uh, our college uh, well and our our own college reaction on the end, and then go to halftime, and then third and fourth quarters will will be NFL here. So uh, without further ado, if if you if you if you caught our interview with Cole Finley of of Missouri, this is very similar to that. We're kind of reaching out. We get, I call it calling it boots on the ground uh, a little bit. I know Mike doesn't actually live in Cola, but he might as well with with how tuned in he is down there. Um, so here's a after after a long long awaited. Here is the great Mike Barlow. All right, we are joined here uh, with our good friend, longtime listener, uh, longtime personal friend, Mike Barlow. Uh, sad undercore, uh, sad underscore. Gamecock on Twitter, X, whatever you're calling it now. Um, again, at sad underscore Gamecock. Check him out during the regular seasons that, you know, like what has just passed for his rad or sad Gamecocks of the game. Um, excited to have you on here this week, Mike. Uh, you know, obviously not a not not a season that I think a lot of South Carolina fans were dreaming of after the way that they ended last season knocking off. Uh, playoff hopeful Tennessee and also kind of playoff hopeful at the time Clemson um, turned around this year with more or less a similar cast of players but uh, some of the results in these games went a starkly different way for them this year so um, that's that's what we're going to be talking about Mike first things first thanks for joining how the heck are you hey guys uh, I'm good thanks for having me back on the show um, 
yeah, like you said, it's been it's been it's been a rough season. I'm I'm kind of glad that it's over. Um, it's kind of it's getting my blood pressure up up too high uh, the last couple of weeks. So it's nice to uh, nice to take a break and uh, enjoy some some of the finer things in life. Yeah, um, and you know it's one of those things where, and and all my Tennessee fans out there can sympathize with this, and it's got to be almost worse going through it with this transfer portal thing, where these guys, if they don't see light at the end of the tunnel at your school have the easiest four lane speedway out of whatever school they're at to anywhere else that will take them. Um, and, you know, seems like we're seeing a lot of that for South Carolina. I've seen a lot of the recent um, transfer numbers in terms of players leaving and South Carolina is near the top or at the top, depending on what updated quantities you're looking at. I, I guess we'll start there. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the season in a minute, but just up to date where we are now. Um, you know, I, I've seen you retweeting some of the, uh, is it the Garnet Club, the Game Club, Club whatever, the, uh, the, uh, the NIL. Garnet, yeah, the Garnet Trust, yep. Garnet Trust. I've seen you retweeting some of the, the bigger players who have gotten their, their signed deals through there to at least stay another season, but – there's been a lot of big names hop in that transfer portal. Um, doesn't always mean they're leaving, but usually means they're open to it and maybe they're not getting the NIL they want where they are. What what can you tell us about the – I'll call it a mass exodus. It, it, are there guys that you see coming back to South Carolina who have just kind of, you know, d- done the old pass the, the plate uh, down the pew type of thing to see what, see what they could get? Um, see if there's any greener grass or does it seem like guys are just we're he- we're headed out not really looking to come back um i think it's a little bit of both honestly um there, there were definitely some some surprises um you know probably biggest one um for me outside of juice wells was was probably mario anderson um really really thing i mean it, it's it's tough because he didn't really play at all the first five games um and that's you know purely on the coaching staff um, just dropping the ball there. Um, so I don't know if it's if it's something, you know, that, that he saw in that five weeks that kind of he he checked out. But you know, when he came in and started playing, I mean, he he was he was great. I mean, he was exactly what we needed. Um, and you know, just rumblings on on Facebook, uh, some of the groups and stuff. His dad kind of replying back to some fans uh, within some of those groups, saying that, you know, we don't we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, and I think I think his dad actually said too. He said like I hope that he goes to Oklahoma, which is one of his like I think top choices right now, um, and and runs all over us next season. Um, so you know that's definitely not not something you want to hear. Um, you know we were already extremely thin on running back, so that's a big hit. We actually we also lost, gosh, maybe eighty percent of our wide receiver room um, between you know graduation um, or going to the draft. And um, and and uh, the transfer portal. So not really sure what's going on there. Um, you know, Justin Step, our wide receiver uh, coach, for some reason he always he's always manages to turn out like one really solid stud guy. We saw it last year with Juice Wells, this year with Xavier Leggett. Um, so not really not really sure if it's really what it is on that side. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Justin Step. I think he's done a great job for us um, since he's been in Columbia. Um, I know he came over with Shane. Um, so yeah, that's another big question mark, but 
the the good news is, and so so we're sitting at 18 guys in the in the portal or um, who said they're leaving for the portal, um, and the Garnet Trust has managed to sign a lot of defensive players to come back. Um, so that makes me uh, happy, but also nervous because our defense was just atrocious last year. Um, there were definitely some bright spots, so like Debo Williams, Tonka Hemingway, um, th- those guys, especially like on the defensive line, um, they're crucial. Along with, uh, with with Boogie Huntley coming back, but that's that's another big piece. Um, and, and I I'm kind of you know we, we signed some of our DBs back, which makes me a little nervous because that you know two years ago we were I think we were in like the top of the SEC in, inter- in interceptions, and this season we're we're close to the bottom, um, if not if not the bottom. So I think that that's more so coaching and, you know, I hate to, to just talk about uh, rumor mill kind of stuff, but, you know, the, on the message boards, they're saying that Shane reached out about midway through the season to, to some former players on defense, as well as some, some NFL coaches asking, you know, what their opinion was. And they were telling them they, you know, they need to change the scheme. The scheme's not working. And towards the end of the season, uh, I'd probably say, the last three games, you can you definitely tell, um, you know, they changed the defensive scheme, and we played a lot better. Not not great, but better than what we were we were doing in the beginning of the season. Um, so you know, D, I think I still think we need to add some guys on defense, um, really get some some kind of like ball hawks on there, um, guys that are going to generate turnovers, um, and then also uh, we got to add some some quarterback depth. Um, I think right now we're we're really just sitting at um, Lenora Sellers is our QB1 next year, which is great. I'm a big Lenora's fan. Um, I think he's going to do wonders. Um, and then we have Dante Reno coming in um, to sit behind him. But that, that's it right now pretty much for our uh, our quarterback room. So got to work on that. I've seen, um, you know, I know early on um, some, there were some tweets about KJ Jefferson being, uh, being interested. Um, and then I think uh, recently this week, um, AJ Swan from Vandy, um, but you know, not not guys that are going to start. Obviously, like Lenoris is the guy. Just need something. They're not going there. They're right not there. start. So, so yeah, it's, it's it's been rough. Yeah, I, it's it's one of those things where I I I feel like I've seen good stuff out of Lenoris in the limited amount of time that he's had an opportunity to play. Um, it's not like there have been massive leads the last two years for South Carolina where he's had time to come in and actually run an offense most of it has been garbage time yeah or uh, but, but the bad garbage time it's not the yeah. we're up by 30 it's the we're down by 30 we don't yeah. want to get spencer killed by our you know <laughs> backup defensive linemen who have been converted to offensive line this year yep. um and for for me just as an outsider looking in someone who follows the sec but you know obviously not a fan of south carolina that the o-line is where they have to get fixed you can fix uh, you can try to bring in another quarterback i hate to tell you you're not bringing anyone in better than spencer rattler because i don't know if there's anyone in the portal even this year that's more talented than him um and then uh, there's something with these running backs man because you lose marshawn lloyd who is a true running back jaheem bell who is a forced running back um and then bizarrely mario anderson this year um, it's, it's just weird. I mean, uh, a lot of the departures I've noticed have been offensive departures. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know if that's maybe the talent on, on defense below, you know, the first line just isn't maybe good enough, or maybe they're the young guys who are bought in to what Beamer is doing. But, you know, I look at Mario Anderson, uh, even, even a younger guy who I think was actually going into his third year, Omega Blake. Um, what was the name that some folks have heard? Uh, that, that Landis, was a dumb... Xavier yeah. Short. Mm-hmm. Yep. Juice. Um, of course, you're going to lose X to Xavier Leggett to the draft this year. Um, saw him uh, projected first round of the Jaguars today, by the way. So that would be great. That would be awesome. Um, obvious, I mean, you, you bring in a guy from Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. and Jared Brown, all sun guy. But uh, if if you had to pick, I guess, let, let's just say in a transfer portal window, you can go address three or four major positions, or you can try to get uh, some across the board, you know, fill holes at every position, little holes at every position, or big holes at four positions. What would your what would your attack be? Would you say we need to go spend all of our money on O line and fill in from there, or is it we need to spread our NIL out across every position on both sides of the ball and try to get better across the board? What what is more of the it, let's just assume, let, let's just for fun, assume that this is the hot seat year for Shane Beamer. This is going into year four. Um, assume, let's just assume for this exercise that this is his last year. To you as a fan, what does he need to go do immediately to extend his stay as a head coach past this year in the transfer portal? Um, well, first off, I would say you got, you got to attack the O-line position. You know, SEC football is is one and lost in the trenches. So that that's number one in my book um you know we've got we've got tree and ball coming back next year which is which is good and they got some good experience this year um but we still we we got to have some depth on the o-line that's and that's been our problem for a while um so it only makes sense to 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 bulk that up um from there you know probably need one or two playmakers whether it's you know wide receiver um or running back i mean really if we could just get some solid production running back wise, I don't think we need to we necessarily necessarily need to hit out uh, a home run, um, but just but somebody that can can create you know some decent production for us on the ground, um, and then from there I really think the rest of it probably needs to be spent on defense. Uh, like like I mentioned earlier, defensive backs, um, you know, I linebacker for me was a little was a little iffy this year. Stone Blanton. Um, who I was really excited about it when he when he signed with us. I don't know what his problem was this year, man. He was just he was slow. He he started off pretty good in the first part of the season, but then as the season progressed, it, he just fell apart. Um, and it, and it was it was tough to watch. So definitely, I would like to see some some help on the linebackers. Um, but but still, O line is is got to be number one for me. I I would agree, but. Part of me wonders how much of an issue it really is considering, I mean, by week four, when you guys came to Knoxville and played Tennessee, you were down seven scholarship offensive linemen. Yep. Um, and you, you, you can't expect your eighth string or your, your eighth right. in-line guys to be that great. How How confident are you that the seven guys that were hurt still need to be improved over? For the ones that are remaining, 
I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I definitely think that, that they do. Um, but I think that also has come with, with coaching as well. And, and really what's been a glaring problem and South Carolina has had an issue with this for, for years, is strength and conditioning. Um, and the fact mm-hmm. that, that after, and not just on the O-line, all the injuries, injuries that we had this season, the fact that Luke Day still has a job is insane to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I, I just, like, I, I don't know what to, what to think about it other than, how, like, how does Beamer not make the change, you know, mid-season? I mean, even even now, I mean, what, Clemson's fired three coaches, I think, um, two of their coaches already, um, and we haven't fired anybody. And it just, and it's not like this is a new problem. This, so it, it's, you know, it's the same story every year. Um, and, and Clemson started the most minutes of true freshmen of anybody in the entire country. Um, still finished what eight and four, I believe. Yep. Um, and I got really hot down the stretch with a humongous percentage of their minutes being freshmen. Um, so definitely not, I mean, if you're a, a Garnet and Black supporter, certainly not something you wanted to see. You see the, the exodus of, of their talent mostly last year. Um, Tennessee made them look, in my opinion, pretty pedestrian in the Orange Bowl. You guys made them look. Uh, it competitive with that, you know, South Carolina last year. Um, but then they, they kind of fixed it and still wound up firing guys as a Tennessee fan who kind of experienced what you guys are going through, where it's like, I'm looking around. I felt like Squidward up in that meme. He's at the top of his uh, house yep. looking down, watching Patrick and SpongeBob have fun. That's kind of how I felt. Cause it's like, why are all these other schools doing the obvious things? Like everyone on our, you know, on our, Vol Twitter knew who needed to be fired and who didn't. What we, we we knew what the issues were, and I've taken a look. I mean, obviously every fan base has their absolute off the wall idiots, but you know most of what I see from you know what you're commenting on or reposting or just what falls onto my feed naturally. You know, maybe maybe fans' approaches to things on social media aren't the best, but they're pretty in unison about the people who need to be gone and the people who are not the problem. Um, m- maybe somewhat this year that got a little bit more muddy when it comes to Shane Beamer as a head coach. But um, I mean, if memory serves, no one was happy with the Don- the, the logins hire. Right. Um, I, I remember you having a list and he was like sixth or seventh or last on it and wound up being the guy you hired. Um, like you said, you have this many injuries. I've I've never seen seven offensive linemen hurt by week four. I don't even know how many were hurt before the season, but it had to be a good healthy three or four before the season's even started that were hurt. Um, so it's it, it's a hard it's a hard thing to assess when you don't even know quite what it would look like had those guys have been healthy. Um, you know what would it have been as big of a problem you never really know and it's really hard to assess where you need to grow both as a player and as a as a as a program if you don't see it happen on the on the tape right. so i i don't envy the position that they're in right now mainly because i've i've been there for the better part of the last 15 years as a tennessee fan i've been right where you guys are it's you're kind of a foot out the door with your coach, but also it's like, man, we've already sunk three years into this guy and we've seen some good things. 
mm-hmm. and we want we kind of want him to be good, but at the same time, how how long do we how long do we let this drag on? Like the the every year that we get further away, we get twice as far away because we're adding a Texas, right. we're adding an Oklahoma. Everyone's getting more money, and it just kind of feels like you get further and further away. Even as close as Tennessee feels right now, we're eighth if we count Oklahoma and Texas. We're eighth in the SEC in recruiting. We're thirteenth in the country. We're eighth in the SEC. Right. You guys right. are like tenth in the SEC and nineteenth in the country. Mm-hmm. It's 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 ridiculous. There there is no there's no room for error. Ask Texas A and M. You can bring in the top recruiting class and be fired two years later because you don't know what to do with them. Right. It sucks. Um, one thing I did see, I, I don't know how um, likely it is. I, I, I don't know how he feels about it, but a guy that Luke and I are both very high on uh, is Rocket Sanders from Arkansas. You mentioned KJ Jefferson. I would take Rocket Sanders anywhere in a heartbeat. That dude's a fucking running back. Yep. Really, really love him. One problem for him, though, he comes in as a uh, – uh, heav- in heavily used condition. Um, he, he m- has missed a fair amount of the last two seasons with injuries. Not something I don't think you guys are particularly interested in uh, dealing with more is injuries, but he's one of the top running backs that will be available, and you do have that significant hole there without Mario, Mario Anderson now. What are your thoughts on Rocket Sanders? Yeah, he, he's definitely my number one. Um and and like I kind of said earlier, I mean, even if he can just get us decent, like solid production, I'd be happy with it. Just someone who can who can move the ball, you know, keep keep everything balanced. Um, would I think I think as long as we can get that, we'll be fine. But yeah, he he's definitely my number one. Um, I mean, really honestly, I don't I don't think there's there's anybody better in the portal right now. Um, and I I think that if we don't get him that that tells you all you need to know about you know recruiting everything um and i know i know he's he had a visit over the weekend um and supposedly it went yep. it went very well um you know there i think all expectations is that he is going to sign um but honestly with the way things have been going i would not be surprised if he goes somewhere else either so I, that would be that would be huge that, i mean just from a, a name perspective, I don't know what he has left in the tank in terms of uh, being our SEC running back, much less an SEC running back behind whatever your offensive line is next year. Yep. But mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's it's kind of like bringing in – I'm not going to say bringing in Rattler because I, I think Rattler – bringing a quarterback, that's a whole different thing. But bringing in Austin Stogner is kind of what this Raheem Sanders would, would feel like. That's uh, – I mean, like Stogner is a name that everyone knew obviously did not work out at South Carolina, but mm-hmm. it, it was one of those like, oh, okay, he's going there. Maybe I should just poke my head in and see what old Bean's got going up. Maybe this is something I'm interested in. It's at least one of those names that you can bring in and guys in the transfer portal, especially the SEC, are going to know who that is and say, okay, if he's going there, there must be a reason. It's either NIL or they're selling something that we don't know. Um, so even just getting that, marquee type of player on paper to come in can help you with the other transfer portal targets i think and and you know shane is a is an amazing recruiter I mean, we we all know that he's he's a tremendous recruiter 
it, it's just that head coaching aspect that I just don't know if he if he has that and and I don't know if even if we did bring in Rocket Sanders, you know, kind of kind of like with with Mario Anderson, where like we didn't use him for five weeks, like is that going to be is that going to be you know a repeat like of this season? Uh, and that's what that's what worries me. And what I think I and what I or what I worry about is that players are starting to catch on, and mm-hmm. they're starting to, they're starting to see that you know yeah Beamer's a great guy, he's nice, everybody everybody loves him. But is he going to get you to where you need to be in football? And and that I think is just a giant question mark at this point. Um, I, I've lost a lot of faith. And and I and you know I I even said a realistic expectation for this year was was four and eight anyways. But it's just it's just how we got to where we got that is just demoralizing. Here's here's my I mean. You've known my stance on Beamer since he got there. I thought he was just uh, uh, a show pony, uh, college football's finest example of nepotism, mm-hmm. um, special teams coordinator, uh, kind of a hype man. Um, I, I, th- I think he has his role, but I genuinely don't think he knows how to be a head coach. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the potential to be, but that guy is wicked young. And his ex- his experience with head coaching is from his dad in a significantly inferior conference, right. uh, dominating in the one aspect of the game that pretty much everyone ignores for the two important parts. Um, and and he, he, I mean, he had, he just never done it before, you know. And th- this is the SEC is not the place for that. Uh, Tennessee's tried to do it a couple of times. The SEC is not the place for that. And here's what I think the most telling thing is, is is he is just incapable of making the head, the big head coach decisions that he needs to mm-hmm. make, like firing coordinators, um, you know, letting letting Satterfield last year find a job so he didn't have to fire his buddy. Like mm-hmm. either, either you want to be an SEC head coach and make it or you don't. You know, it's not it's not about friends. And, and you know, I know he says, like, we're a program built on love. Well, I, I want to be a program built on wins, man. Like, yeah, I, I could care less at this point. I want to um, be a program. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm so fed up with it. And like, I, I I'm, I'm dreading next season. Like I, I'm normally I, I'm, I get excited and, and it could just be that I'm just like burnt out with, with how bad the season's been. But like, I am dreading how bad it's going to be next season. You know, uh, it, I just, I, I, I'm really worried for the, for the program. I think I, you know, I, I fully expect us to be four and eight next season as well. Um, and in that case, you know, you you gotta you gotta fire Beamer if that happens. At, at least, I mean, I was gonna say at least your schedule won't be as bad next year, but it's a uh, it's pretty bad. It's it's well, it's bad. I I'm not gonna say it's bad because I I this is a schedule Tennessee seems to have every single year. Uh, everyone who now has in the East who now has the pleasure of Alabama showing up on their schedule being like, man, this is the hardest schedule in the SEC. Fuck you. I've been looking at that since I've been born. I've been dealing with Nick Saban yearly since 2006, and people have been telling me that I'm trash while you guys are over here juggling fucking Ole Miss and Mississippi State year in and year out. Um, it, but it's it's not the toughest. I'll say it's not the toughest. 
Um, I'll tell you what, I was looking at Florida's schedule today, and and I would not want to play that schedule at all. I, I mean, I it's, think, it's it's an SEC schedule with Florida State on it. I, I think Billy Napier gets fired next year. I, I, I actually don't think – I don't think their schedule's fundamentally much different than yours. Yeah, you, I, I, I can agree with that. You both play LSU. You play Alabama. Florida plays Georgia. Um, Florida plays Texas. You play Oklahoma. So I think there's a benefit for you there. You both play Ole Miss. You both play A and M. Um, they draw Mississippi State. Uh, you got Vanderbilt. Um, they drew Tennessee, and they got to come to Knoxville for that. Um, should be interesting there. But all in all, I mean, as far as SEC schedules are going forward. I think they're all going to be pretty much equal as long as everyone kind of has one of the or two strong, strong teams on their schedule. I'm one of the Tennessee fans who wants to keep Alabama. Uh, that's just that that's a rivalry that I'm not willing to let go of, no matter how black and blue my body is from it from the last 15 years. That one needs to stay. Um, but that's how I feel about Tennessee. Yeah, I. I've always I've always wondered who that was for South Carolina, um, like who they're I, I I have to play them no matter what happens type of game on the schedule every year. I've always wondered who that was for you guys. See, for for me personally, and I and I I don't know I might chalk this up just to our friendship, but it, to me it's always been Tennessee <laughs> with with Mizzou being a close second. And I know y'all caught heat mm. from some uh, from some Mizzou fans earlier in the season, so uh, welcome to the club. The those guys are insufferable. Luke I did. I, I wasn't talking shit. Anyone who listened to the show before the season, I had Mizzou finishing third in the East while Phil Steele had them finishing in sixth. I was bought into what was happening in the Midwestern Columbia. I I was tapped in with that shit. Don't catch me in that, Luke. All right, man. If you're listening to this back, stop throwing me into the ring. I have to go defend that shit against other SEC teams. It's not fair. I'm already dealing with a normal SEC schedule. Stop giving me extra teams. But, um, dude, they're – they don't lose anybody hardly from their team either. That's going to be. I, why, why would I, they? Why, why would I'm, they? I'm glad. Well, I mean, I'm just talking like graduation, period. Like, they're not losing people. Yeah. Nobody, that, that whole team's coming back. Um, Thankfully, they're not on our schedule. They're one of those few teams that I'm like, thank God. I don't have to deal with them <laughs> next year. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz hates Josh Heupel. Hates him. That He doesn't talk shit about anybody else except for when it's Tennessee week. Uh. It, that that's that's something for another segment. We're not talking about us. We're talking about South Carolina. Um, so ne- next year, you uh, are you sticking with? I, I know we haven't seen the out of conference, but you've seen the in conference, and you know you're adding Clemson to it. Um, ha- has your has your full schedule been released yet? I haven't looked. Yeah, it has. Okay, I'm gonna pull it up real quick. But what what is your? I know we still have a long way to go with. Early signing day, regular signing day, transfer portal window, spring practices, you know, four offensive linemen get hurt in the summer workouts. Like, we're a long way from South Carolina football kicking off, but initial impression, are, are, are you kind of feeling the four and eight? Because the reason I ask, because this roster across the board is worse than it was this year. And across the board, it's worse than it was last year. Um, primarily, I, I – for me because of the quarterback position no offense to lenoris i just 
know what you get with Spencer Rattler, and I know that that's not. I don't. I don't think that's the level of quarterback that Lenora Sellers is. He's young; he can grow into it. But I, I, I just see the roster getting worse year by year. Is your outlook even still four and eight? I think right now it is. Um, I don't. I mean, th- those non-conference games. I, I feel like I'm fairly confident. Uh, you know that we're gonna we're gonna win. Um, but I, I really, I don't see more than four wins. I, I really don't. Um, so you're saying ODU, Akron, Wofford, and Vandy? Basically, yeah. Those those would be my four wins. And then probably a toss-up with Kentucky. Dude, you know what I it's it's so weird that the the last season the last week of the season is being moved one week out because we're kind of adding stuff around. But the like the Iron Bowl and Clemson, South Carolina, they won't happen Thanksgiving weekend. There, it's the weekend after next year. I know it's gonna be so weird. I'm so used to. Honestly, though, no, I'm I'm thankful for that because the last uh, two years. Am I smoking crack? Because <laughs> uh, no, 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 November starts on a Friday, so maybe that is the 28th is Thanksgiving. I need to Google that. T- typical fat guy thing googling when thanksgiving is next year thursday november 28th so yeah th- this actually will be thanksgiving week ignore mm-hmm. my idiocy i i just don't know if i've ever seen football games regular season games played that far out there but i guess they have been um so ignore me we just have a late thanksgiving next year everyone be forewarned um but yeah so, it, I, it's still it's still a i mean it's an sec schedule with four cupcakes i guess yeah and I, Probably, I would say the worst thing for me, honestly, is that Clemson game. You know, Thanksgiving weekend, the last two years, and again next year, um, my wife's brother-in-law and her sister are Clemson fans, and we always have to watch it with them. So it is—it's probably the worst, the worst Thanksgiving ever for me, uh, if I'm being honest. But yeah, I, I maybe a toss-up against Kentucky, but I just—I have a feeling that. Mark Stoops is going to come in there um, and just completely wipe the floor with us, especially after this past year. Um, and, you know, I know he has got that, the what is it, the silly sunglasses comment uh, to Shane Beamer. Um, Good comment, by the way. Yeah. Um, what we're all thinking. <laughs> looking back. Um, so, yeah, so I know that there, you know, there's some, there's some, some bad blood there. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Kentucky comes out and beats us. Um the big game for me, honestly, because I think with all the drama around Juice Wells leaving, I'm fairly confident he's going to go to Old Miss. That's um, what it sounds like. Um, and, and with the added, I mean, you know, I, I already don't like Lane Kiffin after the whole uh, Alshon uh, pumping gas comments. And then he's taking to Twitter, tweeting uh, pictures of Juice's uh, former South Carolina golf cart. Um so yeah, I, I that that game is going to be circled for me for this year. I really hope that we can somehow uh, somehow upset Old Miss. Um, that would just be icing on the cake. And you know, who knows, Juice might break his foot again and not even be playing that game. So just collecting another uh, another free million dollars. Let 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 me go ahead and tell you from personal experience: do not let Lane Kiffin get under your skin because he'll stay there. <laughs> um, he he was tweeting out pictures yesterday. 
from Knoxville with Jaden Daniels. Yep. And I was like, huh? What? What? Huh? What? What's that? What is happening in this? Why is Lane Kiffin in Knoxville with the guy who won the Heisman yesterday, who was never on his team? Like, I know why he's in Knoxville because he's trying to get an upgrade in talent, mm-hmm. but why is Jaden Daniels in Knoxville? And why did he link up with Lane <laughs> Kiffin? Like, what is happening? Um, yeah, uh, I'll be okay if Juice transfers to Ole Miss because we don't play them this year. Um, I'll be okay if he transfers to Texas because we don't play them this year. Um, I, I don't really know what happened unless he just has, like, some crazy NIL number that we just went, okay, yeah, no. Um, you, you realize you missed the entire season, right? <laughs> like, hey, well, I'll tell you what, I know it's at least a million dollars, so – Oh, I'm I'm sure you're, you're not you're not getting a guy like that cheap because he's talented when he's healthy, and I going into the South Carolina Tennessee game, he was my X factor. If he played, I felt like that game would have been a lot different, oh, yeah. um, just because of the player he is. I still think Tennessee would have won, but I think it would have been a really really good game, and I, I think South Carolina would have had a different season or at least marginally different. Right, we would have made a bowl game at that point. Yeah, uh, I, I reckon so. It's just it, it's it's a weird year, and now now you actually are uh, at the mercy of having to play potentially any SEC team. And now you load Alabama up here. I don't know the last time. Have you guys played Alabama in the regular season since beating them in 2010? Yeah, we played them two years ago. Okay, okay. Yeah. Did that go? I don't remember. Did it go well or not? No, we we lost. Um, okay. Well. Uh, I I assumed that I would have remembered <laughs> if you beat it, but like, what was it like Georgia this year or uh, Tennessee two years ago? No, I, th- I think I think we held on in the first half, but then you know, second half we just fell apart and they they pretty much steamrolled us if I if I remember correctly. Gotcha. Well, at the very least, you only have to see him really once every four years, so. Um... You don't have to worry about that too much. It'll be interesting to see how the schedules shake out after this season. I'm curious to see what they do. Um, but that brings us kind of here towards the end of our show. And uh, I, I spoke with my my client here, Michael Barlow, off air, and he has agreed courteous, uh, uh, courteous enough to give us a, a right hash first. And for the first time ever, a – non-host of the right hash is going to get thrown Michael Barlow into the hot box. Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm honored uh, to be here. Um, really looking forward to this because I've got a, a lot of venting to do. Um, yeah, not really a whole lot of a, a rad Gamecocks to go around this year. Um, like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, Matt of Juice, Matt of the coaching staff, Shane. I Shane is not the guy. I am. I'm off the Shane train, or or what is it, the Beamer train? Um, I just don't think he can get it done anymore. You know, Clayton White, terrible defensive coordinator. You know, it, it it says a lot when you're not willing to adjust your 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 defensive scheme, and then you basically have to be forced to, um, in the later half of the season. Um, uh, just says a lot about you. Um, Dow Loggins is still big question mark. Um. Yeah, I really think he maybe 
only called three good quarters of football uh, the the entire year. Everything else was was either you know bad bad or or just meh. Um, and and really, I think this this all uh, falls on Ray Tanner. You know, Ray Tanner's a hell of a baseball coach, but a terrible AD. Um, and and I worry that South Carolina is never going to fire him. We're just going to wait for him to to resign or or quit, whatever, die. I don't know. Um, but until Rick Tanner moves on, I don't think we ever get any real momentum. Um, and other than that, thank God for, for college basketball, men's and women's, uh, South Carolina, doing wonders, um, Lamont Paris, Don Staley, killing it out there on the court. Um, it's been, it's been refreshing not to, to be mad during basketball season and football season. So I actually have a, a little bright spot on the year. Uh, so re- really think that the men might have a shot at making the tournament. Um, not sure how far they'll go, probably out in the first round, but it would be nice to uh, to, to see them back in the tournament first time since our uh, our big final four run. So I'm looking forward to that this year. Go uh, Go buy your quarter zips now, everybody. So yeah. That's all I got, guys. That was uh that was a a, a a mild box with with Mike Barlow. Actually, if you know Mike, that was a hot box for Mike. Um a, a guy who really just doesn't as long as I've known him doesn't really get angry, at least uh, outwardly angry. Uh so you you guys just witnessed a good hot box from Mike Barlow. Finished it in Mike Barlow fashion talking about women's basketball. I'm a Tennessee fan. Believe me, I've been there. Sometimes you just have to work yourself around to the one thing that doesn't make you cry on TV. Uh, We are a women's basketball school. I thought I told you that. Women's uh, basketball only. The Women's Basketball Hall of Fame (laughs) is in Knoxville. You don't have to tell me about this, Barlow. This is... Uh, I've we Tennessee has been perfecting this role long before Shane Beamer ever made this a women's college basketball school. Um, I I I, I want to see more from South Carolina basketball, men's basketball. I I, I really do not want to see any more of South Carolina women's basketball. Um, I I, I want to see more of the South Carolina men's basketball because I just don't know. I don't know how real their start is because it's not been against good teams yet. There's, there's been some brand name teams, but not good teams. Um, However, however, I will pause and pump the brakes and say, I was impressed with how they played at a very, very, very solid Clemson team. That PJ Hall kid down low for Clemson is a beast. That is no easy guy to overcome. Um, And I, I think Lamont Paris is doing a good job. This is still, uh, a 10-game stretch that they've gone through so far that in previous years they would have lost to DePaul. They would yep. have, you know, not overcome the Virginia Tech close game. Um, they would have found a way to, you know, choke away Grand Canyon or choke away East Carolina from last weekend, um, and, and they didn't. And they don't have the most talented roster, but it is a a significantly noticeable coaching change because you can tell that they're playing with uh, a, a, a formula like there's a a buy-in and uh, everybody's kind of doing the same thing they might not be doing it at the highest level yet but they're all doing the same thing which is more than I can say for 
a lot of the Frank Martin teams, uh, which is weird considering how good of a basketball coach he is or or was. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what South Carolina basketball does once conference rolls around. I think most of your big out-of-conference games are out of the way until we start uh, the new year with the conference play. Yep. Um, Looking forward to that. So I think that yeah. that's going to that's be really telling um, about the – the squad that, that Lamont Paris has put together. Um, so, and this is a, it's a wide open SEC. Um, Tennessee's the highest ranked ranked SEC team at twelve this year. Alabama, unranked. Um, Arkansas not ranked very high. Kentucky at fourteen. So, I, I I think this is a good SEC, but I think it's anybody's game. And uh, I expect Missouri to be up there just how they how they played at the end of last year with their new coach. And I kind of feel like South Carolina will be a this year's Missouri um, in the, you know, in the case that they're going to surprise you. You're not paying attention for them. You're not looking for them because historically you've never had to. They, they bring in a guy like Gigi, a five-star guy, and just nobody ever hears of him again. But I, I, I don't think that's the, going to be the case with, uh, with Lamont Paris, provided they're able to use healthy and competitive NIL funds on the program. If the football team keeps doing what it does and they have to siphon every dollar there into women's basketball and to baseball, I mean, if we're being honest, the basketball team is the fourth program on campus, right? Like yeah. if you had to, mm-hmm. if if you were siphoning funds, that would be the fourth program you would give it to. Yeah, 100%. Um, and it's, that that's tough. That's tough because you, you've got Kentucky. That's their top one. That's their top one. Alabama, men's basketball, that's their second one. Tennessee, men's basketball, that's their second one. Um, and going up against, you know, other teams in the SEC that just have it ranked higher and how they dole out their, their cash is tough. But I, I think Lamont Paris has done a good job so far and he's got him, got him at least trending. Right. And it, you know, that's all you can really ask for. Just be trending in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, last year was, it, it was bad. I, I was concerned last year, um, but I, I feel like he's made a, he's made a you know good progress and really kind of shown flashes of, of what he can do. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm excited for the season. Um, I think that, you know, you know, let him cook really honestly. Um, let's see what he can, he can really do. I've given, given him a clean slate, full chance this year. So really favorable schedule. I mean, yet you have us twice, you have Tennessee twice and Kentucky once. Those are the, the only remaining ranked teams on the schedule right now. Um, and, and I'd love to go back and, and, and beat Kentucky again this year. That'd be a, that'd be nice. I, that, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's no better feeling in the sport. <laughs> than beating Kentucky at basketball. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you can make a Kentucky fan go wait until football season, you have won the offseason, my friends. Um, Same – we're both from North Carolina, so if you can ever make one of the Duke or UNC fans go just wait until football season, you you have won. Just know in that moment you have won. Dodge everything else they're saying. You won the argument. Um, It's it's the little things, Alex. It's the little things. Dude, especially just growing up here. In all this basketball, and I, you know, I'm an NC State fan. I don't know where your basketball allegiances lie here, but um, I, I imagine you're just South Carolina. You don't pull for a us. Did you ever get a, an assigned North Carolina basketball school? Oh yeah, it was it was always a uh, it was always NC State for me. I, I can't okay. honestly, 
I'm not going to pull for North Carolina. Sure. Just, just can never do that. And then, I mean, Duke, meh. Coach K is great, but I don't like Duke. NC State was the closest to a garnet and black that I could get, so why not? I hear you. Well, man, I, I was kind of hoping you guys would have a little bit more of a, uh, I guess, noteworthy opener this year. And I, I'm sure as we kind of come up to the the football season, um, Luke will will want to talk to you a little bit about that. Well, I hope to have you on here before next football season. I, I would like my aim is to have you come back at least uh, March Madness or NFL draft time just to, you know, get some more interfacing. But I know Luke will probably talk a little bit about that ODU uh, opener you guys have, but I, it just seems like South Carolina has had one of those Belk Bowl type of openers every single year for the last five or six years and feels a little empty without it. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, t- Tennessee's is deferred. We play North Carolina State week two next year, um, but we open with a – shit, it might be Akron. I. I think it's one of those schools that I don't even care about because no matter how bad we are, we're going to beat them. Right. But we play NC State next year uh, in the – That'll Bowl. be a good one. Yeah, that'll be a good one. I hope not, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I Man, I'm hoping I'm, – I'm hoping next year is the year. We're bringing Nico up. Uh, I think the SEC is kind of – I think it's anybody's game. Missouri finished third, and if there's a good time to be peaking – it's when Missouri is good because that means the rest of the SEC is trash. Right. Um, yep. I mean, I I could go on for days about how the SEC did not deserve <laughs> a playoff team um, this year, but got one in anyway. And I just don't I don't see it getting a whole lot better. That there's Georgia's about to have a little bit of an exodus in the transfer portal. I think. Um, I can't wait for that personally. Um, but man, I I, I think I think next year is. It's as close as Tennessee has been to having the year legitimately in in a while. So um, I'm glad you guys don't have to play us. I mean, no Tennessee or Georgia. It's going to feel weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might as well just be in the West this year (laughs) with, you know, picking up Kentucky and Vanderbilt out of the East, (laughs) which I mean, I mean, if you're playing in the West, that's two of the teams to pick up, at least in the right, East. Right. Uh, if you can't play yourselves, uh, I mean, I guess there's Missouri, but, you know, you don't have Florida, Georgia, or Tennessee on your schedule. So uh, I, I guess uh, pick your poison. This is probably a little bit more of a palatable poison. I don't know. At at Bryant Denny, though, that's tough, man. That's a, <laughs> that's a, That place is way harder than going into the betwe- into between the hedges way harder um especially if you got there at night so well barlow i've kept you on here ranting and rambling uh longer than i expected thanks for joining us today um anything you would like to say about the season or anything before we let you go just uh god help us all for next year uh yeah yeah um uh, what did i tell you earlier today don't waste your wishes on south carolina football Exactly. I I, hey, I learned, learned that a long time ago. So use them somewhere else, man. It, like you said in your hot box, as long as Ray Tanner's there, God's not even looking. Nope. That's that's my opinion. But um, thanks again for joining us. We will have Sad Gamecock back on with us on the other side of the calendar at some point. Again, go give him a follow. Um, he tweets everything South Carolina sports. 
uh, sad underscore Gamecock on X slash Twitter. Uh, Mike, is there anywhere else that you post your uh, your endless uh, witty comments? Um, just on the on the South Carolina message boards. Uh, I tend to stay off Facebook for the for sad Gamecock. Yeah, I. That's good choice. Good choice. That's a whole different kind of worms. <laughs> the, the, the Facebook football fans are a whole lot different than the Twitter ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, th- thanks for joining us. Uh, hope to have you on here soon and good luck the rest of the basketball season. I know Don Staley's not going to need it, but hopefully Lamont Paris can give you something to, to, to watch and enjoy the next couple of months. Yeah, for sure. All right, we will be uh, we will be closing it off here. I'm going to throw it to Luke to end us um, for the show this week. Thank you all for listening. Please be sure to get involved in the right hash bowl bash on our Twitter. Link is in the description. Uh, I'll put that in our bio. Quick reminder: it is free. Sign up. Fifty dollars to the winner. If you are following us and retweet the post with the link to sign up. I will bump that to a hundred dollars uh, if you are the winner of the bowl bash. So it will pay to be a follower and to re- retweet. Please get out there, get involved. It's fun. Compete against us uh, and win some money. No cost to you. Um, thanks everyone for your time today. Going to throw it back to you. All right. Thanks a lot, Alex. Appreciate you knocking that out. Always great to have a member of the right hash family on the show, live on the mic. Uh, hopefully we'll catch up with Connor Lilly sometime soon. Uh, maybe those folks in Missouri will reach out to us again. Um, but great, yeah, great, always great getting the community going. Um, and you can follow Mike at sad underscore Gamecock. He is sad Gamecock tweets. Um, and he, he's lived, lived up to it this year with how, how South Carolina's season shook out. Yeah, he might have to change his name to Mad Gamecock. I don't know if sad is so much the uh, the emotion anymore, um, you know. But it, it, you, got, you guys just heard it. You heard him through the hot box. Um, and it actually, um, you know, dovetails right into what we're going to talk about mostly for college this week. And it's the SEC schedule. Not, I guess it's the release. We, we've known the SEC teams, but now we're getting the order, all the out-of-conference dates. Um, and we can really start lining up what these new um, non-CBS time schedules will look like because unlike the last 25 years of my life, the best CBS game doesn't have to get shoehorned in at three 30 anymore. We're going to have nighttime primetime games excited for that, but we're going to focus mainly on the UGA and the Tennessee schedules per most of our listening base. Um, but we, we might, we might throw a couple of uh, interesting things that we saw out there as well. Yeah. And I'll, I'll jump right out here with Georgia Clemson and Atlanta. It's a non-conference game, obviously. Um, but it's that Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Uh, that is a, uh, that, that's one of those classic ACC SEC games that ESPN loves to throw out there. I'm not, not sure if this will be an afternoon game or a night game. Um, actually, I might probably gut tells me night game with this, how a, a, the SEC wants to get rid of, uh, of uh, all this three thirty business. Um, and then, and you, you guys play another one of those games in week two when NC state, of course, my alma mater takes on Tennessee in the, uh, in the, the Panther stadium in Charlotte, uh, bank of America stadium, I think it's still called. So, um, that those are, those are the first two kind of both of our teams are involved in those, you know, I, I'm not going to call state versus Tennessee, a classic, but one of those neutral site kickoff games, uh, which you know, week two is a little bit weird for that, but, uh, it's not the first one either. Yeah. 
Um, sh- shout out, uh, just kind of a. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a bittersweet taste to that game because that was one of the, that that was the, really one of the only college football road trips I've taken was with the namesake of our studio Nasser, uh, down to Atlanta in 2012 for the Chick Fil A kickoff. Um, for those of you Tennessee fans who remember, uh, we were at the uh, J Bay and Eric Ainge TSR uh tailgate down there uh live at the Castleberry Inn um so throwing that way way back back before Swain was a radio personality full time um way back when Nasser good sport uh wore his red throughout the Tennessee tailgate and um caught a wheel pass from Eric Ainge in the parking lot so uh a lot of a lot of really good uh good times there that we will never remember because we tried moonshine for the first time uh down there so um Looking forward to that one. Tennessee fans, let me tell you, do not chalk that up as an automatic win. Uh, not only is NC State a very good defensive team, they've made they've made a splash here in the portal. While we're not focusing on the portal yet, I'm just going to point out they snagged Grayson McCall this week, and they snagged who I thought and hoped Tennessee would snag, Justin Jolly at tight end from UConn. Uh, so two big-time additions matching up, uh, hopefully, in addition with Casey Concepcion. Should make for a pretty uh, a pretty interesting NC State offensive attack next year. So do not start chalking up week two as a win yet. That's going to be a tough game, and we are going to have a true freshman quarterback. Uh, so just something to look that I'm looking forward to, or looking ahead to, not looking forward to, looking ahead to. Don't don't sleep on that team. Yeah, and I think I think NC State fans will do more sleeping on their own team than they will on a on, than Tennessee fans will on an opponent on this opponent, I should say. Um, but it, it'll be the first NC, or actually, I should say the second NC State game without Peyton Wilson, um, who I think yeah. I think I think Wolfpack fans are really under underselling uh, what his absence next year is going to mean for this defense. So um, it's going to be on Dave Doran and Tony Gibson to find you know find that guy or or group of guys <laughs> who can replace. Peyton Wilson, because I think it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a group of guys. So um, I'm I'm gonna say Tony Gibson asterisk. Uh, I don't yeah, I don't think yeah, it's likely point. that he's the defensive coordinator for that game. I think he's got bigger and greener pastures. Um, but hell of a job, and they're still gonna have really really good players on the defensive side that he's uh, developed and recruited. So uh, uh, to go along on week two, not that we're gonna go week by week, but uh, probably the game when we get around to doing our preseason lists and we're talking about out of conference games, Texas at Michigan week two, man, circle it. Can't wait for it. Two of the biggest brands in the sport go head to head. There isn't an sec team that has an out of conference game like this. And this is Texas's first year. So um, they're, they're coming in guns a blazing, not going to have any of this week schedule bullshit. Like, I mean, really not a lot of teams are going to have that this year, but there are certainly harder schedules than others. Yeah, and actually one one kickoff for Georgia is already known, and that's the Alabama game. They, they already have said that that's going to be a 730 game on ABC. So if that gives you any idea of what the SEC is going to do with the new TV contract, um, Georgia has its first two games on the road in conference at Kentucky, September 14th, week three. Then they get a bye, um, and then then they go to Alabama. And both are uh, every team is getting two bye weeks this year uh, in in conference. Georgia will also get its traditional bye right before the uh, cocktail party with Florida, which uh, depending on how Florida is this year, and you know, I don't, I don't, it's it, it's it looks like they're going to keep Billy Napier, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, so yeah, so that that game that game 
I, 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 that game's kind of a wild card, but you know, that, that's a, that is probably, I would say the toughest stretch of the schedule you got at Texas uh, on the 19th of October, then that by, and then at Ole Miss um, and uh, home against Tennessee. Um, so that we, we talked about this uh, when the schedule came out uh, on, on Wednesday, but um, it's kind of a, it, the, this it's spread out. The t- the tough games are spread out uh, for Georgia, which, you know, probably kind of intentional, uh, but, I, you know, going on the road for your first conference game, especially with the schedule this team played th- this year where they played eight games at home and f- the first four were on the road, I think it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. I think I think they get past Kentucky, uh, but going into that Alabama game really early, it's kind of like in the ACC when Florida State and Clemson play each other in September. It's We're going to kind of know the trajectory of one of these two teams before the end of September. Yeah, and it's nice to see some of these SEC East teams finally have to fucking play Alabama during the regular season. You can't just, oh, well, if we make it to the SEC championship game, maybe we'll play them. None of that bullshit anymore. You're on the chopping block, same as the rest of us. Although Tennessee and Auburn are still the only two teams who are playing both Georgia and Alabama the heck next year. So uh, what else is new? Um, a, a, a really important thing that I want to always mention for Georgia, that they might not have italicized home games, to, to bookend this year, but they play in Atlanta. Um, and usually they play uh, in Atlanta when they go to Georgia Tech or they play in Sanford. So, yeah, it's in Georgia, it's in Athens this year. Yeah, but they, they don't leave the state but four times or uh, maybe five this year Kentucky, Alabama, Texas, Florida, and Ole Miss. Five times, five big old times this year they leave the state. Um, unfortunately for them, that's honestly five of your six toughest games i would say so uh not not saying that georgia can't do it georgia has done it um the at alabama's tough and i've seen that there's practically no hotels in like a 50 mile radius that you can afford on uh a, a bammer or a bulldog budget um so get get your walking shoes you might you might be parking a ways away from that one if you're going to it uh, really interesting schedule for them, though. Is there anyone – I know you kind of mentioned in terms of for Florida what that game kind of meant, but is there any one game on this schedule that just, like, Luke's tuning in? I'm, I'm Erase Alabama. Anything else that's like, Luke has got to watch this? Are you talking about just Georgia? or, or Yes, uh, yes, okay, yeah. just Georgia. So I'm – the, the game – at Texas, right in the middle of yeah. the season for the Sick. for the novelty, first time playing. I, I don't know if they've ever played in that stadium before. You know, you've got Godzilla Tron. Um, it, it'll look. I think the colors will look cool if you know you got the Georgia section with red and black, and then it'll be burnt orange and white. Um, and just it, it's it, this is what we've been waiting for. Like with Texas, ever since Texas and Oklahoma have been announced to come to the SEC, like we've been wanting to know when 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 are these teams going to play against the heavyweights of the of this conference that have been here for the last several decades and this is this is one of those days and talking about hotels there's an f1 race in austin the same weekend so like my radio crew is already talking about like where the hell are we gonna stay when we have to go to that game like so it, that, that is that is you know, that is the one thing you look at the schedule and that jumps out at you because it's new it's the first year they're doing it and with texas in the playoff this year that's an even even more edge to to go and, and it's it's going to be i think their biggest challenge of the year uh that or alabama but you know i think i think at least a few Georgia, more Georgia fans will sneak into Bryant Denny Stadium than they will into Austin. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just looked it up. Georgia has been on the road 
to Texas one time back in 1958, an 8-13 to loss. Um, these two teams played in 2018 in a bowl game, the Sugar Bowl, uh, but otherwise they haven't played since 1958 in the regular season. So uh, definitely a really interesting set of brand names. And like you said, I think this is an opportunity for a lot of fans who um, – you know, the the diehard fans that go to a lot of away games, this is an opportunity for them to start uh, going to different places and m- maybe places not as not quite as often. Like you're not stacked up going to Columbia, South Carolina or Columbia, Missouri or Tuscaloosa necessarily every other year. It might be once every four years and you get to go see some of the other stadiums in a rotation. So uh, really cool um, inclusion there for Tennessee. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and echo pretty much the same thing and say uh, our away game at Oklahoma. Um, this will be Oklahoma's first SEC game. This is Tennessee's opener. It's on the road in Norman. The Josh Heupel storylines write themselves. Um, but th- this isn't a place that Tennessee is unfamiliar with. We played there in 2015 um, and lost, I want to say, 28-21. And then they came to Neyland the next year, the Baker Mayfield year, and led that comeback drive. Um, so Tennessee and Oklahoma somewhat recently familiar, but I'm really excited to see what it looks like. Josh Heupel going back to Oklahoma first sec game of the year, September 21st is kind of late for it, but, uh, that's going to be a really, really fun date. I think, uh, that's the one I have circled on the schedule. And Oklahoma is getting LSU as it's a uh, final week matchup this season. I wonder if they'll make that a permanent thing. Uh, taking away Texas A&M. A uh, couple other na- na- games on the schedule that I, that I like that feature these these newer these new teams. Um, Oka- Oklahoma and Ole Miss, I think, will be a really high scoring game. I don't know how great it will be of a game, but those are two offenses that love to put put uh, put points on the board. And, and looking at Texas's schedule, um, they you know I, I you, know, the, you get you get the uh, you obviously get the uh, the what am I calling it? The Red River rivalry. That's a, that's a conference game now. Um, and so that, that I think is going to end up being their toughest game outside of Georgia because they finish with home against Florida. Well, actually let me walk it back to after that Georgia game at Vanderbilt by week home against Florida at Arkansas, home against Kentucky at Texas A&M. Like Texas really only has two games on this schedule that are, are like, if we, if we, if we don't just do normal Texas football, we'll probably lose. And that's Michigan and Georgia um, and maybe Oklahoma. So three games, but then everything else is like, I'm I'm going to say four, but in, yeah. Yeah. Coming into this game. What, what's the fourth in your opinion? Se- Texas A&M. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. The rivalry's back. You know, it, it, the yeah. rivalry's back. Do, do, do not put money on that game. Cause you, you, I, no one has any idea what's about to happen in that one. Actually, that's a good, I, I kind of, overlooked that just looking at the schedule now but like that used to be the game on thanksgiving night dude Uh, right after a&m left there were legislators trying to put together punishments to either texas a&m or texas for either one of these schools trying to back out of playing each other yearly and thankfully who who knows if we're gonna have them as their permanent um or a permanent but we at least have it this year and it's in rivalry week. So what it tells me is that they're acknowledging this is this is a this is in our line of sight. This is one of the rivalries. If we go to two permanents, I think Texas gets Oklahoma and AM, and that would be fantastic. 
yeah, I mean, then you end up with a little bit, little Big Twelve, little Southwestern Conference action. Um, it's, it's. I kind of like. I'm. I don't know. I, I'm willing to give it a shot with these bigger conferences now. Now that we're we kind of are at the stage, like it's like we we need to at least see how it works out. We're getting well, good. You know, we're getting good matchups because of it, and you know the Big Ten's also going to have great matchups like this too. Here's the thing. The the this ad this edition made sense regionally though. Like these are two very SEC like schools, fan bases, alumni bases, campuses that the, these two teams belong in the SEC. That like there is room for them. They fit right in here. They look natural on the schedule. Um they're at the same caliber of a lot of the, you know, I would say top half of the SEC teams. I I I kind of poo-pooed it, you know, a couple years back. I didn't really like the idea of adding. I didn't think the SEC needed to. Still don't think the SEC has to, but this is fantastic. Great TV. Going to bring all the schools more money. So I like it, and it gives us something a little bit new to talk about in SEC scheduling. Well, these are two programs that have been just like – I know Texas has been down a little bit the last 10 years or so, but like when I was growing up watching college football, these were – two of the giants like two, the true giants like oklahoma games would get shown across the country but back before games were getting shown across the country like on fox sports affiliates because they were they were that good and popular and texas was texas um so it it, it you know them along with you know the usc florida state miami back in that era of college football it, it combining that with with the tradition of the sec you know, that's that's one of those things that you know, people will focus on the negatives. People are like, oh, it's not like it used to be. But college football has always kind of been changing. I remember the back the first realignment was back in 2003 with Virginia Tech and Miami and then later Boston College going to the ACC. And people weren't really complaining then. And it was just I've, I've been used to this for, for about 20 years. So I, I've processed it and I'm just, you know, and maybe it's because this season is now pretty much over, but I'm almost ready to jump right back into it. I mean, the SEC did this 10, 12 years ago, too, with A&M and Missouri. So it's not unprecedented. It's kind of cool. I think the SEC is what I would call at capacity right now. Um, depends on what you want to do with some of the teams who maybe don't pull their weight in all of athletics. But uh, I would say in terms of quantity of teams, we are at capacity because we're having a hard time even fitting in the, the two permanent rivals that we should have on a schedule. There should be two permanents, I think, in the SEC, and there is enough cases across the conference to suggest that two permanents is is necessary to keep the the spirit, I would say, of the original SEC alive as much as possible. Um, that's what I'm looking for the SEC to to hammer out in the the coming year as we move to next year's schedule, whenever that is going to be released. Um, just 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 let me keep Alabama. That's all. I, that's all I want. I don't even care who the other one is. I, I don't really have a secondary one that I want it to be. Um, it, it'll be Vanderbilt, but just give me Alabama. I, I don't care if we lose that game fifteen years in a row. Give me Alabama. It, it, it has. It has to happen. It, that's that's football season. Don't take that away. Same thing with A and M Texas. I know Oklahoma Texas is the thing, but there's nothing like A and M Texas. Not even Oklahoma Texas. So. Um, I love talking about schedules, and I'm looking forward to talking about this one on the other side uh, of, I, I guess, the calendar when we're coming up to our preseason. And, you know, we, we got through the transfer portal, got through, you know, summer, spring practices, and can start prognosticating about this particular set of teams 
Um, the last note I have on this one, on this particular subject, is just take 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 a glorious look at the 2024 Florida football schedule. That is not what you want to see if you are uh, some Bell Philly right now, especially especially that month of November. I don't think I have ever seen a, a single month, much less the last five games of a season, be that. Burst Georgia at Texas, uh, home against LSU, home against Ole Miss, and then at Florida State. Uh, assuredly a different Florida State team than this year, but at Florida State. That's your last five games. This is like when Nasser and I used to like play NCAA 14 and put NC yeah. State in different conferences and then take the best teams from each conference and put them in our conference too. We used to do yeah. this every all the time, and that's what it looks like. Um, I had I just had two more games that I wanted to point out that that were or both early in the season. Well, first week, uh, Florida and Miami. That's that's a rivalry you don't see very often. Um, and it'll, it'll be, a, that, that'll be, kind of, I'm not going to call that a classic either because, uh, because it's not anymore. And then on Labor Day, Sunday, September 1st, LSU and USC in Las Vegas. That's another ABC game. Uh, LSU has been a mainstay in this game the last few years. So, uh, the, you, you get it, you know, the, the, uh, the conference is leaning into like having this new, you know, this new format and they're, they're just jumping into it with these, some of these games, which is, which is going to be really awesome. Um, well, uh, especially if you're these SEC teams that you're kind of just, you're pretty sure you're going to pick up a loss somewhere here or there. You want that strength of schedule to sing over some of those uh, teams in the, that are, you know, the 10 to 15 range that you're competing with for some of those last uh, 12 team playoff spots. And even if you lose this USC Trojans game, I mean, it's, it, it's going to make your record look better regardless than if you were to have put, uh, you know, the raging Cajuns on here, something like that. So good, good on them. I, and I, I like that the 12 team playoff kind of incentivizes teams to up their, the, the, the comparative metrics um, similar to, to basketball. That's why you see these basketball teams that come out and play in these exhibitions. You, you, you want the work. Sure. But this makes your resume look better. It, a quad one loss is a lot better than a quad four win. So um I love it if it forces this to happen. Yeah, and of course, reminder that the the expanded playoff does take effect next season. Um, ESPN, prob- of course, loving that they get more more ad inventory, more games, and uh, just you know they get they get the SEC. You know, the SEC is you know we miss the C. We'll miss the CBS theme music, but we won't miss Gary Danielson. Hey, so, uh, Georgia and Florida State are trying to get that expansion this year, so. We'll see what happens in the legislative branch of the country. <laughs> As we've now reached halftime of our show here, once again, thanks to Mike Barlow for joining us earlier and join that right hash bull bash chance to win 50 or a hundred dollars, depending on how active you are on social media. But um, quick fantasy football update. We're already into uh, the week, the week of games here um, last week of regular season, I believe. Um, and I, I yep. follow that up the chargers with a, horrible game last night and i've i just i've been so busy i forgot to pull justin herbert um so mike barlow is my opponent and this game could be an elimination game so i'm just i'm just really really outdoing myself here in this this early early week 15 yep setting a great example for the rest of the class luke yeah great example i i have drawn uh burhans this week and um I, I am the guy who is going to eliminate you or Mike, whoever loses. I am the guy taking your spot, most likely. Um, 
as long as I beat bar hands. I got an uncharacteristic, competent game out of Devontae Adams last night, so that helped a lot. Um, I, I'm hanging on, man. I know one of you two will lose because you're playing each other. I just got to handle the business in front of me. I don't. I can't look at the headlines. I can't turn on TV. Them talking about, you know, Alex is already in the playoffs. I just got to stay focused on the task at hand and beat our voiceover guy. And it's uh, the first three playoff seeds, I believe, are already set. Rob Jordan at one, Uncle Keith at two, and Mike Barlow at three. And then it's that, it's that fourth spot that's still still up for grabs. And other matchups include, well, Mar- Uncle Keith is playing Armon. Rob is playing uh, Alex Roth. Well, it's either it's either you or Barlow at three. Okay. I have both of you. I have both of you in points, but you're tied. So if I win, whichever one of you wins is automatically out of my reach. But whoever loses will have the same record as me with a win. And right. I have both of you in points. So gotcha. you're having an elimination game, but the third place goes to whichever one of you two wins. This is basically an NFL scenario. It really, it's like, it's like you could be the last team to physically clinch a playoff berth, but you could be the four seed. Yeah. Where's <laughs> the guy on Sunday night football with the politician board? Oh, Peter. Like following Fuck. up all the projections. I've, Peter dude, Kirk, I, Kornacki. Yeah. Kornacki. I watched that on mute. So Steve um, Kornacki. <laughs> Same. I, Maria, Ta- anytime I see Maria Taylor on the TV, and it's the fastest mute you'll ever, you'll ever see. Yeah. That's an unserious panel. <laughs> and, and she, and she's a dog too. She's a, she's a Georgia bulldog too. So that's, that shows you how fucking bad she is at television. <laughs> but yeah. And thanks to everybody who participated this year. We, this is a cool little like Easter egg of the show. Like there's a little like sidebars, these competitions we have, you know, we do the March Madness, we do the Bull Bash, and then this this uh, fantasy football league. So, if there's any other like little side games that you want us to do for for a little bit of little bit of prizes, let us know on on Twitter. Um, you know, pickums, any any kind of works. Looking to expand our social media presence a little bit and have people be more interactive with. And, and the best way to do that is to offer prizes, I think. So, um, really, really Hopefully. excited about these playoffs. Um, and and of course the Bull Bash, but. Um, Rob, God, Rob Jordan. What, what can you say? First year, first year in the fantasy league after, after uh, a year on the soccer podcast. And he just the foot, the transition from association football to gridiron football for him. Just, just seamless. Begin as luck. <laughs> Begin uh, as yeah. luck. Halftime is over. Let's get back to the show. Third quarter action straight ahead, right here on the right hash. Yeah, we'll see if that pecker can last in the in the playoffs. But um, we've gotten now to the the NFL portion of our show, and this is the time of the year where the NFL takes over. We had the the uh, where I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time reacting to last night's game because you all saw it too. It was 56 to seven at one point, 48 to nothing. Was it 56 nothing at one point? I, yes, I, yeah, okay, nothing. 56 nothing. It got as bad as that. And actually, about an hour before we sat down to record this show, the Chargers fired head coach Brandon Staley and general manager Tom Telesco. So that is your least surprising news of the day. Um, and and the, the Saturday games, we'll pick all, we'll pick those games. Uh, this, we did pick all the games. We'll hit on uh, probably a little over half of them, um, but the Saturday games are back um, and it's, it's a full day of, of football uh, across, across uh, NFL network. Uh, I believe it has all three games. Uh, so uh, it is uh, Cincinnati and Minnesota, Indianapolis, and um, God Steelers, damn. Steelers, yeah. 
And then the night game is Detroit and Denver. So hopefully three pretty good games. Um, and yeah. we'll, we'll pick those in the fourth quarter. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just, just Chargers, Justin Herbert, tr- kind of a train wreck at the moment. I saw I saw Miles Speed, another friend of our program, retweet a, a tweet from Steel Curtain. There's like Steel Curtain today. And it was a picture of Justin Herbert in a Steelers uniform. So there are teams, there are teams that are getting thoughts here. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it'll happen, but there are definitely teams that are are probably putting through calls to whoever the new Chargers GM is going to be. Nah, because that Justin Herbert's the bait to get an actual coach in there. Justin Herbert yeah. ain't going anywhere. I t- Teams, I, I'll preface this, teams will definitely reach out and poke and prod for the new guy to see. Do, are, you, are you looking for a fresh start? Maybe. I don't think it will be Justin Herbert fresh start, though. Is this our Luke on mute? Yeah, it sure is, sure as hell is. <laughs> no, but I was actually clicking on mute this time, and it just wouldn't click. I was, I didn't do that one on. I didn't okay. do that one for being absent-minded, but it still counts. It still technical counts. difficulties. <laughs> um, some tech infiltrators, as as Jeff Dantzler would say. Um, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It's just it's one of those things that, like, when your team is like shitty like this, and I know that I know this feeling because the Redskins haven't won a game in over a month and it doesn't look like we're going to win a game for the rest of the season. You, you all, everything's on the table, you know, like, like we, and the Chargers don't have a new owner like we do, uh, but it's, it's, it's like your fan base gets disgruntled. What small fan base the Chargers have. And you're like, well, how, how do we shake things up? And, and getting a new quarterback is a way to shake things up. It's probably not the path that the Chargers are going to take, but I, I was just kind of thinking about teams that might, be making those phone calls steel Steelers still have a quarterback on a rookie deal um I, I was I was I, I think that the Steelers fans tend to like Pickett. maybe that's just because of what they've had before him you know the shitty Big Ben and the Trubisky experiment um but you know the, another team I brought up was was the New England Patriots and that's a team that uh that is definitely gonna be shopping for quarterbacks i think i think zappy hour is it's, it's about closing time for zappy hour and we know what mac jones is they're going to have a new coach maybe a new front office uh coming into next season just looking at teams that are also in this sort of position uh and and it's it, that, that might be willing to take on that contract and might be willing to offer draft picks but i think at the end of the day the chargers have done what they're going to do with you know and getting rid of the gm was also a necessary move i mean and i think getting rid of those two a defensive minded head coach and, and that GM kind of indicates that they're going to take it in a direction where they're going to make Herbert a centerpiece. And, you know, who knows, maybe Kellen Moore a centerpiece because they've always been a more like offensive focused team. Yeah. Ju- Justin Herbert's not the problem. He, has he had a good year? No, absolutely not. But this is also an offense that gave Austin Eckler five carries last night. And you wonder how you got your ass blown out of the building. You take the ball out of your best ball carrier because he's not, playing his best ball right now. You know who else isn't? Your entire team, except for Khalil Mack, is playing god-awful football. Do not take Austin Eckler out of your fucking lineup. Dumbasses. Anyway, I I, I say that because I, I, I'm i kind of a – I'm not a Chargers fan, but I like this Chargers team. I like the guys that they have. I like their roster. They're piloted by largely – the same the same guys that got Tennessee where they are. Bo Hardigree, uh, uh, Derek Ansley, Brandon Staley. All those guys have been at Tennessee in some capacity. And I've said this before. This isn't news. If you just use context clues, you knew that this wasn't going to work and that they're idiots. 
they just they can keep this same roster and just give it to a competent staff, and it's a playoff roster. They have superstars at the right places, and, and in every place. Honestly, there is no reason this team should play like this, and it's because they're stupid. They are stupid, and they played uninspired last night because that team has been waiting for their coach to get fired for almost a year. He should have been fired immediately after that Jaguars game in the playoffs. Never should have been allowed back in the complex. Should have been fired immediately for losing that game. And they are suffering for that right now for thinking, okay, we can just hold on, you know, close our eyes, bury our head in our sand, in the sand. It'll be fine next year. No, the problems were evident right then, and you did nothing about it. Idiots. Right. And, and it's it's good that they're done. But uh, the last thing I'll say about it is that this roster is going to be the most intriguing roster that a new head coach in my lifetime has ever taken over. Unless you can point me to another one. I've never seen uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, Rayshon Slater, Derwin James, Khalil Mack, and Joey Bosa on a team that's looking for a new head coach. Anybody in their right mind would flock to this job. And I'm saying right now, I'm putting in a Thompson call. I don't think they're trading away anything. I think if anything, the Chargers should tr make a trade with the Patriots. They should acquire Bill Belichick. Drop Mike. Yeah, he's, he's not going to... No, no. If you're in New England, he's not not, not going to work here anymore. <laughs> so not going to work here anymore. It, it would it, it's intrig It's one of those one of those off season uh, hot stove. It's a baseball term, hot stove, but intriguing tables turning type thing. I I personally believe that Super Bowl windows close a lot sooner than people will admit that they will. Um, so these days, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's. It, I feel like the Chargers had their window with you know they did have their window with this regime, and now they're doing they're they, they're realizing it and they're like, all right, let's let's get. Let's get some new people in here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be an interesting story to watch in the off season. That'll be, that'll be the top job. You know, there's you know, commander's job's going to be open. New England's job's going to be open. <clears throat> Los Angeles chargers job will be open. Probably one or two more jobs will open as well. Carolina, of course, um, maybe, you know, there'll probably be a good six, seven, maybe eight jobs open by the end of the season. Um, so that'll probably be the, the top most attractive job, um, both for location and for what you just described. Um, the other point I had on, on NFL is I just, I just can't figure out the green Bay Packers. And like, I don't know if we're supposed to figure out the green Bay Packers this year, or if we already have figured out the green Bay Packers, because for the last two seasons, they've just kind of been just a team. And that was with Aaron Rodgers last year and Jordan love this year. And it's just so like, this is more of just a general, like observation of the season than it is like, I need to debate something, but it's like, it's just so strange seeing the Packers be, just another team with just another guy at quarterback because for so long for my whole life it was Brett Favre and then it was Aaron Rodgers and they were the model of consistency of that position Jordan Love has had a real inconsistent year after week one I was like wow this guy is really comfortable uh, he looks like he could be their next great quarterback middle of the season it's like what is this guy doing then they go and upset the Chiefs and now now you know now they're just back to being up and down uh, we'll pick their game in the same this the fourth quarter but it's it's just strange that this this NFL model of consistency for the first 29 years of my life is now just any other franchise that you, you're just like has its same ups and downs and they're not like 
there you don't look at Green Bay and think like, oh, like what you know, a legendary franchise over the last couple of years. You're just looking at a team struggling, trying to figure things out like everybody else. And it's it's a real unfamiliar feeling. And it's all self-harm that they did it to themselves by drafting Jordan Love without t- telling Aaron Rodgers, you know, and that that was where, you know, I'm not going to say the downfall of the Packers. The Packers will rebound. They're a, they're all, an all-time uh, franchise in the NFL, and they'll be fine. They're, they're fine right now. They're, they're not a horrible team. Um, but – that their their ceiling is very low with Jordan Love, um, especially when you consider he's been in the NFL for five years, um, learning on the bench. And people wanted to give Hendon Hooker shit and Will Levis shit for being 23, 24, 25 coming out of college. Oh, these guys are playing with kids. Well, uh, Jordan Love's been up here playing with NFL players and doesn't look great. He he doesn't look bad. I'll give him that. He actually looks he, he actually looks really promising at times and i'm not saying he can't achieve that just look at seattle I, I'll, I'll point to seattle and geno smith for the rest of my life because that's what you're hoping for is that it just turns out to where he improves and, and gets better mentally matures and fine but there's a lot of other problems with the packers they didn't keep Devonte adams aj uh uh dylan has had to do most of the running this year because aaron jones has been hurt uh, Christian Watson, their best receiver, just can't stay on the field with injuries. Um, losing Robert Tunyon, there's a lot of stuff outside of Jordan Love's control that I'm just I'm not ready to call it on him yet. But as a franchise, I think they've done a really good job of mismanaging having Aaron Rodgers. The fact that he is still available and on a roster and it's not in Green Bay tells you how bad of a job that they did after drafting Jordan Love in mending the relationship and helping appease Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? Doing the things for Aaron Rodgers that he wanted would have benefited Jordan Love. I don't understand why they were so hell-bent against that. But anyway, that's something in the past, but I, I, I do appreciate the point about the Packers, that they're just kind of like, if, you, if you're doing like a 10-year rebuild and you do uh, you sim one of your seasons, the Packers are the team that ends up 7-8, and eight and their quarterback was okay. They don't stand out. You just you scroll right past all their stats. They're just there. And they're going to continue to just be there until they decide we actually actively want to win. And they haven't made that decision for a couple of years. Yeah, and they're we'll you know we'll talk about this later when draft draft season approaches. They're just they're one of the teams I I have kind of in the back of my mind as a team that could try and make a splash in the draft for a QB. Uh I just I just don't think yep. they you, like you were saying. Jordan Love has been in the league for a few years now, and we, I think like we kind of you you know who who he is, uh, and when it comes time for you know for you know contracts and stuff, he's is he going to demand like is he going to deserve? I should say the 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 rate that quarterbacks are going for, and really really there are fewer and fewer quarterbacks that are showing they they deserve that as that that gets more lucrative. So. I just, I just think that that's a franchise that could benefit from, you know, talking about fresh starts. That's a franchise that could benefit from a fresh start at the quarterback position. Um, but all know. I'm telling you, Green Bay, he doesn't have the gravitas of Aaron Rodgers. But if you're going to draft a quarterback, tell Jordan Love. Yeah, yeah, good receivers just fucking, though. Just fucking tell him. Good young receivers. receivers. Uh, they, they need a running back. They need a they pass do. catching running back. They really, really bad. Do. Yeah, if but you I, watch you know, Patrick Taylor play, like that guy is a carbon copy of like the Eddie Lacy, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, thumper, big bruising Jerome Bettis type of back. They don't have that 
Ty Montgomery that they had for so long. They need that back. They've got, yeah, they, they, they do have Romeo Dubes. They've got one of the best in Romeo dude, Dubes. They're young receivers. They've done a good job with Jaden Reed is a dude. And yeah, Christian Ma- Watson Ma- is a dude. Malik Keith, SEC guy, Ole Miss, and Dontavion Wicks from Virginia, who's who made yes. two juggling catches in his senior year. So that that's a, that's a, that, I mean, that, that's no, those aren't glamorous names, but if I'm a quarterback in the draft, I'm I'm looking at Green Bay and I'm like those are some good guys that I could I could be playing with. Absolutely. Like that it's not all Jordan Love's fault because they're young guys, but the talent and the future of that wide receiver room is it is, is very promising. Yeah. Well, that was my spiel on the Packers, but you you did drop before uh before we sat down to do this about 5 minutes. You said you had a a topic, a surprise indie, of course. We can't do surprise indies with college football games anymore, but uh, another surprise in the NFL topic, but you wouldn't tell me what it was. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't want the opinion to come out yet. I, w- I wanted almost a live reaction to it, but it's something since we've been talking about Bill's Josh Allen and the town hall that I brought up a couple of weeks ago, a month or so ago, it, it, it kind of clicked in my brain something else. You said something when we were comparing uh, Dak and Josh Allen that was surprisingly positive for the Cowboys and it it kind of opened my eyes and right before the show uh, an hour or so it it just kind of hit me this is the first Cowboys team I've not hated I I I actually don't hate this Cowboys team this is actually kind of a somewhat likable Cowboys team and while you Luke I know you're not going to like the Cowboys it you you said genuinely positive things about what they're doing right now, or at least Dak and kind of what he's doing, what the offense is doing a little bit. But it just made me think, if Luke can somehow have a positive thought, and believe me, as a Tennessee fan, I I feel probably the same way about Alabama and Florida as you do Dallas. There's every once in a while kind of like a Derrick Henry guy who will come through who I just, I, I can't hate him. I Just some reason, I like that guy. That's what this Cowboys team is for me, that there's a lot of like there's a lot of really interesting storylines. If you just take away like the the clutter and the nonsense and the memes and the social media aspect of this Cowboys team, they lose Trayvon Diggs and they have a guy that comes back and breaks the pick six record. Dak Prescott shattered his ankle two years ago, gets paid big, has a stinky season last year, left for dead. We got to find someone else. Where's Cooper Cush? Um, CD lamb, they start this season off very well defensively, but very poor offensively. And we're almost left for dead and not taken seriously. And, and they have Mike McCarthy. They, they have a, a court, a coach in the room who is an actual adult kind, kind of what happened in Jacksonville. You don't need the guy to come in and win a super bowl year one. You just need him to come in and set a brand new culture. You, you need to have this be a place of work. And the biggest difference, and I think maybe the most identifiable reason why I don't hate this Cowboys team is because Jerry Jones backed the fuck up out of the limelight and is letting football people, for the most part, handle football things. And all of that combined, for me, I'm not pulling for them. I'm not a Cowboys fan. But this team is a team that I will actually turn the TV on and watch. And I kind of, in a weird way, internally, have been pulling for them to win some of those games. 
because they they're very well built. They know what they want to do. They got Zeke out of there, who I thought was a big problem both on and off the field. And this is just a Cowboys team that as much as I want to hate the logo and the fans and the team in general, this iteration of the Dallas Cowboys, December 15th, 2023, Alex Thompson does not hate this Cowboys team. What 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 do you think about this? I mean, I you you know that I know who I'm asking. But this Cowboys team, this this one right here in 2023, are you picking up any of what I'm putting down, or is it like shut this guy up? No, a, a lot of it. First of all, I'll, I'll I'll say this: both the Eagles and the Giants teams this season, both the, just this season in 2023, are infinitely less likable. Uh, both Brian Dable and Nick Sirianni are two guys that if if I was in a room with like with, with Osama bin Laden. Nick Sirianni and Brian Dable and had two bullets, I would be shooting the two coaches. Fuck those, both of those guys. I don't have that same vitriol toward Mike McCarthy because I mean, I just, it's just not there. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't act like a fucking child on the sidelines whenever his team doesn't get a call. Um, and you know, and he's not just a smug piece of shit like, like Nick Sirianni is. Um, and you know, the, you know, the entire, you know, and I think, the other part of this is Dallas isn't getting the kind of media attention that they usually get because of shit like the tush push and Taylor Swift and you know, shit. The last couple of weeks, it's been all about Tommy DeVito and his agent, baby. Uh, the, you know, the mafia, the good fellas, like what all that, all that shit. Um, so, so a lot of my energy to hate has been directed toward the other two NFL NFC East division rivals. The other thing is this team's just got dudes, man. They've just got dudes who are fun to watch, like Micah Parsons. Uh, the, the Seattle game two weeks ago, where uh, where it was fourth down, Seattle was go for, going for it to keep the game alive. And what did Micah Parsons do? Just bowled over his man, got in Geno's face, and forced the game ceiling incompletion. That that was that, that was that. That's just what Micah Parsons does. Um, and, and you know, I think I think Tony Pollard's fun to watch when he's healthy. CD Lamb is like he's just a a very very likable dude he all he was at oklahoma super fun to watch um and just he's producing in in a in a in the nfl i always whenever he scores a touchdown i send my friend uh darius turner who's maurice on twitter i think he's part of the bull bash this year who's the one cowboys fan i keep in my social circle i always send him the emoji the emojis of a cd rom and then a lamb whenever he scores a touchdown so that's that's fun to do and, and yeah man it's just it's when it and we're at the age, you know, we're, we're in our thirties. I work at sports. You know, I see a lot of football. I see a lot of athletic competition. So I'm at the point where you just have to recognize it when it's good, like game, recognize game. The Cowboys play objectively good football in a league where you don't always get a lot of objectively good football every week. Uh, so, you, you know, they, they, it, it's, it's, I'm not going to say a breath of fresh air because I still don't want to see them win, but a Cowboys team that's not getting, slobbered all over the way the Eagles and the Chiefs have been this year is refreshing. Gonna stop short of saying I don't hate them because I do. But you know, if 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 a Dallas team with these this group of players is going to be if a team with this group of players that I don't like is going to be successful, what does Jerry Seinfeld say? You're just you're just rooting for clothes, basically. Um that that's why the Cowboys fans are what they are. They just they see the star and they're like that's that's that. Um but the 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 people actually putting on this show are some of the more likable people that have worn the star on their helmet for sure. Okay. Glad, glad I'm not just crazy or like exper experiencing an uh, early onset cold symptom. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird feeling. And 
I can't say that I've ever had the feeling about an entirety of an Alabama team. I certainly felt that about Alabama players and and, and certain uh, maybe position groups there at times. So it's not unprecedented for me, but in the NFL, it certainly is. Um, especially guys. You mentioned Deron Bland, but Donovan Wilson is one of the unsung heroes of that defense, the strong safety. He's he's in on every play, knows in on every play. Um, and, and a, another guy they drafted two years ago or last like two drafts ago who got a lot of, you know, turned a lot of heads not in a good way with the pick uh, was Tyler Smith, who was a tackle at Tulsa. They've turned him into a guard and he's played really, really well. Um, so I, I, you know, just got to keep recognizing jobs well done when they when they are. And that kind of that kind of I think goes with it. The Cowboys have, you know, the, Bill Belichick and the Patriots get all this credit for for drafting and scouting well. I t- tell me a guy that the Cowboys have like seriously missed on with a high profile asset. Maybe Randy Gregory, maybe a little bit, but that was kind of a a known risk. Um, and they 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 just hit. I I remember ragging them when they drafted Travis Frederick in the first round, and then it's like okay. Yeah, yeah, I was. Whoops. I was He's like there. the best center we've ever seen. <laughs> well, I was yeah, you West were Park, West Park Tavern. Yeah, <laughs> we were all ragging him, and it's like, what are these idiots doing? It's like, oh, never mind. He's going to be the Pro Bowl center for the next ten years. Whoops. Yeah. Um, that they just they draft well, and th- that is something that Jerry Jones is involved in. And I think, I, I think Jerry Jones has to have involvement. But it seems like this year he has had the finally the the correct level of involvement, which is not public. He's not talking about Jason Garrett or Mike McCarthy or his quarterback or anything. He he doesn't have FaceTime, and that that has helped a lot, I think. Um, maybe that's just a coincidence that the two lined up. Um, maybe he's getting older and decided to back away from that or something. But I I have I have it in my mind that that was one of the conditions of Mike McCarthy coming on board is like Jerry, shut the fuck up, stay behind the scenes. We'll talk when we need to talk. You don't talk to cameras. I talk to cameras and it's, it's work. There seems to just be a continuity in the building that hasn't existed before because by now that team has fallen apart years past and it did. It's falling apart at the beginning of the season and it's figured itself out. And then I tell you what, this isn't a team I want to see in the playoffs, San Francisco, San Francisco and Dallas are the two teams. I don't, if the Jags make it to the Super Bowl. Give me any NFC team, but either one of those. Give me the Eagles all day. That is a fucking flawed team right there. Yeah. But Cowboys, 49ers, those teams, I I don't see weaknesses in them, except for if the old Cowboys come out. Yeah, and, and part of this is also, like, Washington should have fucking beaten the Eagles both times this year. We, we outplayed yep. them both times this year and, and still lost. Like, my, my hatred my hatred is dynamic for, for these three teams. My dad actually is one of those old head Washington fans that hates the giants the most because the giants are their oldest rival. Uh, and Philly was never any good up until 2017 hadn't won a super bowl. So a, a lot of Washington fans are like, you know, they're, they're kind of that they're just, they're, they're just kind of up there. And we, we have these, these, these rough games with them when we play, but they're not really up until 2017. They can't, they can't touch us because they haven't won a Super Bowl. That's obviously changed, so I hate them a little bit more. And then the Cowboys, like everyone hates the Cowboys, so it's not just a Washington thing, even though they have a big rivalry. So, you know, I, I'm I, like it's a more unique hatred, I should say, with with the Giants. It's a little bit, it's it's definitely more personal. And then having all that family in Philadelphia that chirps when that when the Eagles and of course the other teams are good, that gets really really old. But like like the the I would say the the Giants are like kind of the 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 oldest brother that that really really just 
the parents love and and gets gets all that credit for really no reason just because they're new york dallas is the second oldest brother who's the most successful and you know goes around town in the expensive car and everybody knows who they are washington is is the the third middle child who you know just overlooked nobody really cares and then philly is the the youngest child but they're bigger than everybody else and thinks they can push everyone around but like you're you're still the littlest little brother so that's that's my nfc east hierarchy um and definitely you know just to, but to back to the to the original point uh the the least hateable cowboys team in in quite some time for sure yeah i i'm not even in your shoes but this is by far the least hateable cowboys team and they used to have one of my favorite players of all time in jason witten and i hated the cowboys even more than that i do now um but this is one of those teams that i don't know if they played the eagles i'm not rooting for the team in green well we I'm just saying watched, we just did that this weekend you saw yeah. me i wasn't mad <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i don't even remember a lot of it but i <laughs> i remember the i remember the score being um uh a pr- pretty drastic for this point in the year and where both of these teams are in the standings but well, it's, it's amazing what, what happens when the Eagles can't just fucking push their quarterback seven yards down the field every play and actually have to actually run an offense. Well, the, the sad thing is that would have actually been a better offense. <laughs> they should have just done that every play. Yeah, I mean, hell. Like, God, I would hate to be an offensive lineman on that, or a defensive lineman for that matter. That just sounds aw- – that just, that just looks awful. Yeah, the, the D-line, no. I bet those offensive linemen fucking love doing that, man. Probably. Like that. That that's the play Jason Kelsey came back to run. I think <laughs> like that's the only reason he came back was to run that play. Um, but yeah, I think we've had three good topics here. Um, you know, just some kind of off the wall in the middle of you know not quite in a playoff season, but getting there. We kind of know who's who. You know, the the playoff races are heating up, um, but we still don't. I mean, there's still so much to happen and such fine margins. I, I think it's almost not even worth talking about until week before, two weeks before, um, which we're coming up on, but not quite there. Maybe next week will be the we start doing some some playoff specific content. Yeah, um, first first post Christmas. Our next show will be after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, most definitely. Because uh, I mean, yeah. the, there's only two teams that have been eliminated. Everybody else is mathematically in it, and it's yep. just not worth going through that at this point. Yeah, not not a good year for participants of the Janet Jackson boob Super Bowl. They were the first two teams eliminated, <laughs> Panthers and Patriots. <laughs> One of those moments oh, yeah. you remember exactly where you were, baby. <laughs> this is what happens when you played Jake DeLome 20 years in the past. This is where it gets you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're on to the fourth quarter here. On this episode of The Right Hash, thanks to everyone who has stuck with us here. Thanks to Mike Barlow as well. Great perspective on South Carolina athletics. Uh, But we're here for the picks. We have made official picks for every game. Uh, We're not going to go into detail on every game, but uh, let's get a a standings update here ahead of our our NFL fourth quarter picks. Yeah, you're not going to believe this. Um, So last week was not a good week for us. You went seven and eight. I went eight and seven. But what this means, Luke, is after 14 weeks of picks, you and I are both 81 and 64. Wow. All right. We are we are basically Somehow. like it's the pennant race is on. I mean, I lost in college, so I gotta reclaim it here in in, in pro. 
so, somehow I, I I don't I don't know how not not that we're doing well but just after 14 weeks of a lot of picks we wind up with the same exact record is is funny um moving on to this week as Luke said we picked all the games but we're only going to go over a couple so um I'm going to tell you who we have picked to win unanimously pretty much uh we picked the Bengals and the Vikings Bengals game we picked Colts and Steelers Colts we picked Dolphins and Jets, Dolphins, Chiefs and Chiefs, Pats, Giants in Giants and Saints, the Falcons over the Panthers, Rams over the Commanders, Niners over the Cardinals. That leaves us, what, seven other games to talk about. Um, I, if, if anyone's morbidly curious, I had the Chargers last night, so point and laugh. Um, but we're, we're not going to count it since we didn't both pick it before now, uh, so I get a little bit of a mulligan on that one. Yeah, we'll just we'll just call it a, we'll just call that one not a, a no contest because and it, it really was kind of a no contest on the field too. <laughs> yeah, and no, no one saw that happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe Brandon, I mean, maybe Brandon Staley did. <laughs> I mean, J- Jacoby Myers was the second best quarterback in the game last night. You got to think about that. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> I should have started him in fantasy at the quarterback position. Dude, I should have I, I had Josh Palmer still on IR. Ugh. Granted, Ugh. I don't feel bad about not playing him. That's like the best game he's ever had. But he's he has 22 points on my IR slot. Never had that before. <laughs> Oops. Um, this is why we're not eligible for the prizes. <laughs> uh I mean, yeah, it doesn't really matter if we keep making decisions like this, but uh yeah. So uh, that brings us to the first game uh on Saturday. Uh, one o'clock game. I'm pulling up the official schedule because you guys know I like to throw out the uh, the lines on these. Um, but Vikings Bengals Vikings have announced that Josh Dobbs has gone from first to third on the depth chart somehow. Um, don't really know. Maybe he was correcting Kevin O'Connell on his grammar or something. Um, but uh, Nick Mullins will get the start. Justin Jefferson expected to be back and, and playing. Don't know how limited it'll be. Uh, Cincinnati three-point favorites at home in Paycor Stadium. I'm going with the Bengals on this one. But I I think this is an interesting game because it's just another one of these battle of the backups. And I'm morbidly curious to see how Jake Browning continues because he's turning into a guy who might get a look at, you know, kind of a, a, a bridge quarterback type of deal somewhere in the NFL next year if he keeps playing like this. So uh, definitely worth monitoring. Yeah, I got the Bengals too. I think it's the backup, better, better backup. More Nick Mullins has been a backup longer, which I don't know if is a good or bad thing. But Jake Browning a little more dynamic. A lot of Mississippi State quarterbacks on display this weekend, and by <laughs> a lot, I mean two. Um, <laughs> uh, that moves us down to. Wait, I thought Nick uh, Mullins was Southern Miss. He is Southern Miss, but Mississippi. Oh, you did you mean Mississippi the state or like Mississippi State University? No, I thought Nick Mullins played at Mississippi State. Oh, no, Southern Miss. There's no I way I know Nick that. Mullins' name and he didn't play at Mississippi State. Oh, maybe he transferred. I'm I'm looking up here because I'm going to feel dumb. I just don't know who I'm thinking of if it's not Nick Mullins. I feel like I've made this decision, th- this mistake before. <laughs> I mean, I confused Easton Stick and Jacob Eason in person last week, so... um. Okay, well, while I'm looking for – because it's not yeah. Nick Mullins, I'm going to go find this and get it out of my brain. But our next one we're going to is Bears and Browns. Um, not a lot of thought here, but it's still an interesting 
you know, the, the Browns are still interesting with what they're doing with their quarterback. I believe it's still going to be Joe Flacco, but um, they look pretty good last week against us, against the Jags, and um, I'm taking the Browns this week. I'm also taking the Browns. I, I I think I like this Bears team a little more than I think most people do. Uh, good win over Detroit last week, but too good of a defense, I think, in Cleveland. Miles Garrett will be in the backfield. Uh, but keep an eye on Montez Sweat, too. He's he's really thriving out there in Chicago. I, w- I wish him the best. Okay, I found it out. It's Nick Fitzgerald, who I was thinking of at Mississippi I State. I do not know who that is. <laughs> uh, he, 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 was, he played 2015 to 2018. He was... Not a baller, but he was one of those guys who was like unexpectedly mobile. Okay, so he was he was he succeeded Dak Prescott. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, uh, no, he because uh, Dak he was drafted succeeded. in twenty sixteen. So yes, yeah, that would make succeeded sense. Dak Prescott. Um, but yeah, the 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 Nick part there. Anyway, <laughs> Nick, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a common white boy name. It's very, especially this these... time of year. Especially this time of year with Saint Nick all these nicknames um <laughs> so <laughs> we both picked browns here uh moving us on into bucks packers i'm gonna take the bucks here because they've that they've just won some games that i didn't expect them to not that they were like flashy or competent but rashad white's had a really good season mike evans has had a really good season their defense has played pretty well i think those things add up to uh, the weaknesses of the Packers, and so I'm just gonna take the Bucks here. Green Bay three and a half point favorites at Lambeau for what it's worth. 34 degrees, really good chance of some Lambeau-ish weather. So uh, maybe the boys from Tampa don't take too kindly to that after all. Yeah, that's why I'm taking the Packers. Uh, I I've been following some patterns this year. Uh, one of those has been taking the Ravens at home against NFC opponents, and it's worked every time. And the other has been taking the Packers when they play at Lambeau, um, especially late here in the season. So good. Ugly game, 16-13 type game, uh, but taking the Packers here at home, that's the tipping point for me. And I am uh, right now changing my pick on the next one because of some news that just came in before the show, but uh, we go to um, Titans-Texans uh, in Nashville. The Titans did what they did uh, against the Dolphins this past week. Um, absolutely out of nowhere, unexpectedly. Uh, and I'm taking the Titans. I had the Texans here, but uh just found out before the show, CJ Stroud would not be playing. So, um, yeah, going to roll with the Titans in this one and just kind of the hot hand. The human giraffe himself, Davis Mills, returns for the Houston Texans. Uh, it's not going to be enough. Uh, I, I had the Titans from the start in this one, playing at home, coming off that win. Um, <laughs> God, Will Levis might not be completely horrible. Uh, as it turns out he might he might just be the normal amount of mediocre yeah or the dolphins just choked one away true that that could also happen but very very possible i'm I'm taking the tennessee titans speaking of um uh shoot i I erased my uh my my blues on which ones we're not going through uh that brings us down to i believe this brings us down to a later game um bill's Cowboys. Yes, this brings us down to our kind of nightcap games. I don't think we had anything else um, that wasn't unanimous. So going uh, down here. Yeah, yeah. We we did both pick the Lions in this uh, Lions Broncos game, but I think it will oh. be one of the more. I think it will be one of the more interesting games. Sorry, I saw we both had that and skipped it for some reason. But yes, oh, no uh, let's let's backtrack to the Broncos Lions game real quick. Uh, that one is um, 
that, that like you said, the nightcap on NFL Network. So uh, I believe all three games are on NFL Network. So yep. you might have to do some. Well, my TV's uh, not moving, baby. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, in Ford Field, Detroit four and a half point favorites. We both picked the Lions, but uh, good, good point here. I think this is definitely one of those games where you and I are not comfortable with our Lions pick, but we're going to take them right now. Correct. Denver's um, playing great football. I, I'm I I am floored that first of all that they have a winning record just given where they've come from and still floored that we managed to beat them in week two. Didn't think that would be our best win of the season, but but it is. Um yeah, they, I I really liked it. I really liked that this game wound up in an unopposed television slot because this is a game that if it was on a Sunday, it would be buried at you know four oh five or one o'clock uh, uh, against you know against a bunch of other games. This Saturday has no teams with a losing record. So competent teams, at least somehow. Good job. Good uh, job, NFL. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional because speaking of incompetence, there's the NFL. Um, but that this brings us to, you know, not our first three games, but the last three games on the schedule. Um, probably the best two here uh, are the um, uh, yeah, 421. Only, only one game in town at 420 plus five, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's maybe a, a some sort of playoff preview if if they uh, Bills Josh Allen versus Dak Prescott. This is I'm going to call this the town hall game. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Cowboys. I didn't talk them up earlier to just say they're going to lose, especially not to this pedestrian podunk Bills team. Um, which clip that because uh, the Bills will win 63 to 21 now because I said that. Um, but I'm taking the Cowboys. Taking the Bills at home. I, I know I don't hate the Cowboys. They're really good this year. It's just this just feels like a bump in the road. You know, just go going to a to an environment they don't play in very often. Not gonna be a lot of Cowboys fans there up in Buffalo. One of the few places in the league you can travel to and not see a lot of opposing fans for a couple of different reasons. One, because just everyone up there is so damn loyal to that team. And two, because why the fuck would you ever want to travel to Buffalo for any reason other than the the chicken wings? Um, but I can get yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm taking taking the Bills here. Uh, I think they'll they'll kind of make it'll be like a basketball team that runs a slow offense and makes the game kind of ugly. Dallas is going to want to run the score up. Buffalo, I think, is going to be more comfortable if the scores kind of in the in the twenties or high teens. Um, I don't think it'll. I don't think we're going to get any weather here, uh, but I think it'll be a little windy, and that that might play a factor in the passing game. Bills are going to win, but it's not going to be because of Bills Josh Allen. I'll throw that disclaimer out there. This game is not going to end our our town hall that we've been we've been having for the last month or so over Dak Prescott versus Josh, Josh Allen. I will. This is like. Ireland wins the Quidditch World Cup, but Victor Crumb gets the snitch. Buffalo wins the ball game, but Dak Prescott outplays Bills Josh Allen. Yeah, Bills uh, two and a half point favorites in this one, so uh, should be a really good four twenty plus five game. Um, what what will you be watching? Because you're four oh five. Oh well, funny. I will be at the Capitals Hurricanes hockey game ah, in right, Raleigh. Right. So I'll have you know I'll have I'll be on my phone. You know I'll probably walk by the suites and check out some football right. during intermissions. I, if if I was at home, still be Commanders game because I'm a degenerate. But I would probably sure. mosey my way over to the to Second and Green Tavern in downtown Winston Salem for the second half of the late games to to catch the, uh, the 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 good conclusions of the actual games, not my team getting trampled. But no, I will be I will be at a sporting event, which I don't get to do very often. So that'll be great. Uh, maybe more scoring in that one too. So, um, brings us to the Sunday nightcap. 
another unfamiliar place for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but lo and behold, Ravens go into Duval County uh, to take on the Jaguars. Disappointingly, tickets still available for about 50 bucks, but, you know, I, I guess after the Monday night football, the fans are just a little shell-shocked uh, from losing to Jake Browning. Um, Going to be without Christian Kirk again. Probably, I, I would just guess, the rest of the year unless he makes some sort of uh, playoff recovery. But Jags got some problems going into the playoffs right now, and that's if they make it to the playoffs. Um, I'm taking the Ravens because I think the Ravens are a much more consistently good team. Uh, the Jaguars have ha actually had their number in the last couple of years, but I just don't get the warm and fuzzies with how the Jags are playing right now. So I'm going to take the Ravens. Um, close one, Baltimore three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think that's about right. Uh, Jaguars are just going to have one of their characteristic stupid mistakes at the end of the game to take us out of this one. Yeah, I did pick Jacksonville here. Um, Trevor Lawrence's ankle was bothering him a lot last week, even though he played. Um, but I don't know, I just got got a weird feeling, a primetime game for a, a team that has, you know, that really I think is a chip on its shoulder after the last couple of weeks. Third straight game against the AFC North. Um, really, yeah, they, they're they're well coached enough, I think, that they can get it together and avoid a three-game losing streak here. I think the Ravens are gonna miss Mark Andrews in this game. Um, they, you know, they, they, if they had had him most of this year, they, they might be the best team in the NFL, but, uh, he's been hurt. That's a, that's a position group where I think the Jags have an advantage. So, uh, down in the red zone, they're, they're going to miss Mark Andrews taking Jacksonville. I'd say that's likely, um, going to move to the last pick and last thing for the show, really this week, um, Eagles going into Lumen field, uh, to face the Seattle Seahawks, Philadelphia, three point favorites. Um, as badly as the Eagles have been playing, uh, I think the Seahawks have been doing kind of the same thing, just a tier below. So I'm going to go with the Eagles just because they're the better team that's playing not up to its potential right now. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Uh, I think Jalen, you know, Jalen Hurts is, doesn't look 100% this year. I think he's been bothered by some, uh, to borrow a term from our other podcast, the niggles, um, and, the he just you know just there's been something a little bit off about the Eagles this this year they got they, that came to a head last Sunday against the Cowboys in Dallas I don't think that game beats them twice I think they get out of Seattle here with a win tough tough place to play though um not is G, is Gino healthy yet is he is he back I, I um, think he is slated to play okay but you know even so he's been banged up you know and against that Eagles secondary I think I think this is a Philly win Limited a participant yesterday. Uh, Pete Carroll said the quarterback feels really good. So um, uh, I'm looking out to see if there's anything about Kenneth Walker, but I think Kenneth Walker is uh, – I don't even see him on the injury report, so I think he's still on IR. Um, yeah, that would make sense. But uh, apparently, I think he's kind of like practicing because they said they were both full uh, – they both participated somewhat, so – um, maybe well, eyeing a, a comeback for Kenneth Walker before playoffs if they make it. And if not, then just pour yourself another glass of Charbonnet. Yeah, to go with your uh, Walker Blue Label. <laughs> right at 4.20 p.m. Eastern Time. <laughs> we come up with some zingers. Perfect. Perfect wrapping it up right at uh, right at the magical time. Sometimes we start at 4.20. Today, we we end at 4.20 here on a Friday afternoon. One of the best times. That Friday feeling, as our the namesake of our studios used to say. And it's spread out with tons of NFL football and the first bowl games. Three weeks. You got just three weeks of just solid college football and and 
you know, they, it's like you watch in your pajamas, dude, because like that, this, those, those, that, that bookend few days around Christmas where there aren't really any rules. Most people are off work and you've got games kicking off at noon or possibly earlier, like just, just injected into my veins. Absolutely. Kind of like that. I mean, it's, it's kind of like Thanksgiving week too. Got, yeah. got a similar feeling. Yeah, well, that's all the time we've got here on this episode of The Right Hash. One more time, if you have not already, still time to jump into The Right Hash Bowl Bash. Click the link on our profile and a chance to win 50 or even $100. Thanks a lot for joining us here this afternoon. Enjoy the bowl games. Enjoy the NFL. Enjoy all the sports. Uh, look for me on TV on Valley Sports Carolinas on, a, on, on Sunday afternoon. And just take it easy as we talk to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios right here on The Right Hash.